Welcome back to Factory Sealed. It is October 27th, 2019. My name is Eric Peters and joining me today, Mr. Mike Tyson. A Mario! A Michael! A Mario! And filling in for not one, but two people, Mr. Zach Foley. <laughs> That's my only comment. For that. <laughs> See you later, guys. It's been great. He's <laughs> filling in and he's done. <laughs> he has brought his comedy and he is packing up and going home. That's my quality commentary for the day. Hello, everybody. How are you? We're good. How are you, Zach? I'm glad to hear. Thanks for filling in. Sure thing. Tom I is, am always happy to show up and talk shit. Tom is off trying to become Canadian. Oh, Christ. <laughs> and is that, Does that involve a funnel and some maple syrup? <laughs> And a couple moose. <laughs> <laughs> Just let your imagination run wild after that. <laughs> and Dan was given another week to play the game with somebody sending it to him and opted not to. I didn't send it to him in the end. I know. Uh, okay. Yeah, you said you would. Yeah, I sold it on eBay instead. <laughs> God, how can you do that? Because I picked it up for the DS, so uh, I didn't need it. I didn't need it. I didn't need it. How can you do that? For me, when I'm done with a game, it goes back in the box and it sits on the shelf for another decade. (laughs) Wrap it it in plastic. (laughs) It takes a lot of willpower to not purchase a bunch of those plastic sleeves to put all my games in because I'd go broke doing that alone. Well, yeah, since they kicked you out of the grocery store for just buying cellophane and hair dryers all the time, I mean, that's a... (laughs) What are you doing? Nothing, nothing. It's fine. <laughs> just a new way to cook meth. <laughs> yes. You're at the you store often enough, so. I am. I'm surprised that they don't, they're not on to me. I have my own security detail when I go in. I think Target's got their own satellite for you now. <laughs> it's just, it's just <laughs> Ellie and Amelia with, with sunglasses on. <laughs> I do have to chime in from the last, one of the last shows where they talked about that. It's absolutely true. Every time I talk to Eric, like he'll, He'll Facebook messenger me and be like, oh, what are you doing? Oh, I'm at Target. Oh, imagine that, you know. <laughs> be eight o'clock in the morning on a Sunday and Eric's at Target. <laughs> so, don't judge me. I like Target. Too late. I like Target. What can I say? It keeps me happy. If they went out of business, if they went out of business, I would go through a stark depression. You'd become a person of Walmart. No. No, I don't even know. See, like, I find what's the what's the next half step up? Because there's Walmart and then you pay like an extra 10 to 15 percent to not go there by going to Target. Like what's above that? I don't think there is. I think it's just ritual suicide because I think <laughs> <laughs> I, there's not really like a, it's just Amazon Prime. Yeah, that's true. And who wants to wait for that shit? Well, I mean. Right. And Some that's coming from someone who lives a street. mile from yeah. a distribution center, and I can prime now most everything. Yep. My wife is now doing a big part of the grocery shopping through Amazon, through their Fast Fresh or whatever that program's called. And it, it, 
I guess I was weirded out about it, but it is kind of interesting that you order it and you really do get it like, you know, an hour later. At least at my house because I live three miles from a distributor. Yeah, but don't you have to buy like they they source it from Whole Foods and that shit's expensive. Some of it. Yeah. But I mean, it's just a chunk of the grocery store. Again, we have four kids. You go through an innumerable amount of things that you don't even consider necessary in life once you have kids. I didn't like fucking boxed macaroni and cheese like who the hell thought that i would be the one buying pallets of it at a time but (laughs) yeah you're right kids will kids will point out that you're missing something at the most inopportune time you know we've been out of this giant jar of famous dave spicy pickles for weeks and we had dinner the other night and amelia wanted a pickle so i gave her a pickle and she's like no the other one what other one she's like the spicy one we don't have any just ah okay wait for you that's it that's a sign of good things to come. You like wave your little flag and like to target, you know. <laughs> well, no, I got to go to Costco and then I went there and they don't have them anymore. So another meltdown. Yeah, I, I guess that that parallel can be drawn, too, because Costco, I definitely always feel cleaner when I walk out of a Costco. But Sam's man, the prices are great. So. Yeah. Is Costco where we got that delicious pizza? Mm hmm. Oh, you met the NPC. Uh, but you know yeah. what Sam's Club has over Costco is they have that self checkout where you just put all your shit in your bin and then you scan it and you just press pay and walk out the door and you don't need to interact with anyone. Yep. I enjoy that. It's great. Well, and you know, I'll, I'll say it too. I was, I was definitely one of the ones that was when everybody was talking about raising the minimum wage. Like I was like, guys, oh, be careful. You're going to lose your jobs. And then, you know, like having gone to a McDonald's this morning and ordered and having my order completely, completely, totally wrong. Like, I'm now one of those people that's like, oh, please, can we just replace everybody with robots? <laughs> <laughs> that happened at our movie theater right around the whole time that was kicking off. And I remember walking and be like, oh, well, here's what we get. 15 bucks an hour. A machine. That's right. Yep. And I'm not saying that, you know, people who are making eight bucks an hour have any chance at living a life no. and having food and shelter and all that stuff. But yeah that's just welcome to capitalism american capitalism right there Uh, (laughs) ask for more money get replaced by robots (laughs) we'll get into that in a minute dark turn yeah (laughs) (laughs) it's a theme from one of the games i picked up this week (laughs) oh speaking of uh speaking of kids i think i dodged a bullet last night we took the kids to this um spooky halloween thing at the zoo and it's like how how Halloween some stupid play on words but anyway uh, we bought tickets for it and we were kind of excited to go and we get there expecting to just kind of be you know that thought there'd be a line but we walk up to it and there's a line I'm shitting you not damn near half a mile long that we had to go stand in just to get in and then this zoo is just crawling with people and the first thing that we walk up to is this this trail you know they have these little spooky trails and it has the Resident Evil Umbrella Corporation logo over it I'm like hmm this seems like a good walk to take the kids on. Chris is like, are you sure? And this other eight-year-old kid comes running. I was like, it's not scary at all, guys. And Ellie and her friend latch right onto that. And they're like, dad, it's not scary. Let's go. I'm like, are you sure? Like, yeah, let's go. So we walk into this. And first thing we see is this guy in the most impressive Nemi outfit ever. Just scaring the shit out of people from behind a bush. Ellie fortunately wasn't too scared. But I'm like, Ellie, do you want to get your picture taken with Nemi? She's like, no, thanks. And just keeps walking. <laughs> it got increasingly more terrifying. By the end, there was a guy, a true amputee in a wheelchair screaming at his leg. And another guy didn't have an arm. <laughs> and he's sitting there screaming like definitely not appropriate for children. 
Yeah, but we dodged a bullet because there was no nighttime terrors last night, and we just played it off as like, guys, that was really funny, wasn't it? So I may have actually just uh, (laughs) overridden a crucial part of their their hard drive in their brain. (laughs) Don't be scared of something. Laugh at it. He says while pouring NyQuil into the milk. (laughs) Sleep. Yeah, I I I lived in Florida for a, a considerable amount of time, so it was pretty common for us to go to things like Halloween Horror Nights at Universal, which is a big decked out thing. And I always sort of marveled at parents who brought like six and seven year olds to that and just looked at them like, dude, this is scary for me. Yeah. You know, <laughs> you know, I'm a 25 year old asshole. I'm not sure how your kids are going to not get through the next five years without emotional support because they I mean, those events, they really go all out. And, you know, like have guys jump out of trees with chainsaws and, you know, no so, blades on them. But, you know, they're 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 paid to scare you. I was reading about this. This has kind of been on the news recently, but I was reading about this haunted house that is apparently so terrifying that you have to sign a waiver and pass uh-huh. both a physical and a psychological exam before they'll let you go through it. And there's a twenty thousand dollar prize if you can get through it and nobody has gotten through it. And there's a twenty four thousand person wait list. Yeah. Well, Jesus. and it's uh it's like a 10 hour event, too. Yeah. I looked at them like I, bet I could not- do it. I'm like, no, probably not. Yeah. I'd be curious just that's to see in, what uh, it's like. That's in Huntsville. My mom lives. It's about four hours away from here. And I was I was really genuinely curious about it until I saw what you had to go through for it. Like, yes, you have to pass a psychological exam. Like, how much am I paying to get into this thing again? <laughs> yeah. If I'm going to pay to have a psychological exam, you better damn well believe I am not going to tap out. <laughs> yeah i'm pretty sure you could just scare me equally by having my wife walk up to me with like a positive pregnancy test oh. like that would be enough <laughs> that would be the most terrifying thing oh, in the Jesus. world yeah when you're when you are definitively done having children the thought of having another is just crippling yep it's like yeah it is. yeah don't i definitely don't want a third definitely not like we've crested the point where it would be like a year ago, it would have been inconvenient. A year and a half ago, it would have been inconvenient. It's like, yeah, but she's still really close in age to Amelia. But now it's like, okay, Amelia's almost out of this really rough stage. And like, okay, we can leave you alone in a room for a couple hours and you'll be fine. To then just have to start over a third time. I couldn't do it. Also, you paid yep. for Snip, Snipsmith. So. <laughs> yeah, and that's what's even more terrifying. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I, so now there's additional questions. Like, <laughs> I, I definitely want to trust Snipsmith. But I also have had one <laughs> surgery in my life where I fell into the 1% of people where something would go wrong. So, I don't know. I'm not yeah, going to push my Yeah, that brain surgery left some impressions, didn't it? <laughs> Definitely did. <laughs> <laughs> that lobotomy didn't go very well. Yeah, but making kids is the, f- the funnest part of the whole process. And you don't want to give that up. So, YOLO! You know? <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe you just said YOLO. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. I did. I'm a dad. I can get away with fucking anything. I have the whitest sneakers and the bluest jeans. Are they New Balance? <laughs> no, I do have Adidas. Oh, but no. They are gleaming. They are gleaming white. Like when they get even a bit scuffed, like I take a toothbrush to them. Like, yeah, I'm going to have to pair this with a brown belt and a horizontal shirt, <laughs> polo shirt. You, you have to uh, upgrade to the New Balance shoes. I know. I know. I'm not quite there yet. I can't like I just can't wait for my kids to get older and start having friends come over more often without their parents and just be that really embarrassing dad. <laughs> yep. I got to start working on my mustache soon. Oh yeah, just the, the like the one that comes over the lip. 
Oh, the cock duster. <laughs> yeah, the old cookie yep. duster. Yeah. The lip sweater. Yep. <laughs> lip sweater. Yeah, that's your lip sweater. Stop trimming up. Stop trimming up my eyebrows. I'm telling you, I'm ready. Make sure that ear hair grows out real nice and good. Yeah. And that it, it comes in that it comes in thick enough that it turns the inner lobe of my ear gray. I actually, when did that start happening? I actually have a buddy who woke up one morning uh, because it, somehow his eyebrow hair ended up so long. He woke up with his eyebrow hair entangled into his eyelashes. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. Back. <laughs> oh, man. No, you got to you got to really get down the hole. You know, they're sitting in the living room and you walk in and you just kind of have to like stop and pause for a second. And then just let out this really wretched belch. And be like, oh, God, that feels better. And just walk away. <laughs> You've got like, a list of these ready, aren't you? Oh, yeah. My dad did it to <laughs> like me. The, like the combo Jack Daniels lemonade and hot dog belch. Like, yeah. that's the one. <laughs> and then just like, oh, dad, onions and relish today. What the hell? <laughs> oh, lunch was not better the second time around today. <laughs> I'm already half there because I already play golf games and my kids are like, why do you have all this cool shit and you play video game golf? I'm like, because I'm a dad. I mean, (laughs) by the way, don't touch anything on this shelf. Yeah, not a thing. Not all of this is sacrosanct. One day, none of this will be (laughs) (laughs) one day. One day, this will be auctioned off to pay for my burial lot. Exactly. Actually, no, I want to be like I've all buried with you. I want to I want to be like a pharaoh and have all my shit buried with me. Yeah, oh, I'd like to burn with you. me, so there's no chance of grave robbing. Oh yeah, like I, I, yeah, I think, I think what I want you to do is melt down everything and just entomb my carcass <laughs> <laughs> in this video game shell, and then seal it somehow, and then I'll be happy. No, I think, I think what would be the best. First of all, I want to be uh, fully sealed in Saran wrap or whatever, and then like hermetically sealed. Uh, <laughs> And then put me on like a concrete slab, pile up all my shit around me, but then pour concrete over fucking everything. So even if you do want to grave rob me, like you're going to have to be jackhammering that shit out. and You're going to break it anyway. Why don't you go the frozen carbonite route? Yeah, but then somebody could thaw me out later. Mm, I suppose he'd still be dead. Either that that, or let's go the Viking route and just make a pyre out of all of my games and light me on fire because I actually don't want to be buried. Yeah. Although yeah, it doesn't sound good do, for the environment, yeah. but <laughs> on plastic. Yeah. I don't care. Yeah, I'm you dead. Watch if- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fuck the planet for the future generations, Eric. <laughs> That's right. Actually. I can I can see that happening, like they setting me on the Viking boat and setting like me and my games on fire and like Eric trying to swim out <laughs> after it. Like No, no! <laughs> Magical Chase! <laughs> He must have really loved that guy. No, he's got a sealed copy of uh, some fucking terrible <laughs> record. Actually, you know what would be really cool? I want to be cremated and then pressed into a disc and have a game made on me and then auction it off. I, I hesitate to ask, what game would you like to be part of, Eric? <laughs> Murder on the Eurasia Express. <laughs> right. Just, just in Fireman 19. <laughs> Night shift nurses. Well, those backdoor sluts not. No, actually, that's a legitimately <laughs> yeah, good exactly. question, Zach. What game would you press yourself onto? Oh, you know, for me, it's got to be a Castlevania game. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm an easy target, though. Yeah, that is an easy target. Uh, I don't know. 
if there'd be enough of me to press into all the discs of Final Fantasy VIII. Well, but there's got to be enough of you to press into the shitty disc-based Mega Man. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, you could always just go onto a, you know, the remastered. Uh, oh no, it's a fucking digital only, is it? Bollocks! No, 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 no. Oh, it's coming out. It's coming out physical in December. Yeah. Oh, speaking of Final Fantasy VIII, Zach. Uh, yes. Last time me and you were on a show together, you were talking about um, the direction on it not being completely circular, and you said that I'd eventually yes. notice. I I finally noticed it's when I got to the prison. You know, when you're going around the prison. Yep. This too. Yeah, I noticed then. Yeah, yeah, it's fucking horrendous, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I ran into that on PC and it really, like, I don't think I made it as far as the prison with that. Mm. Um, but I got definitely, I had two things happen to me. One was there was one NPC and I don't remember where it was, but it was, it took me like five minutes to like up, down, up, down, up, down, up, down, up, <laughs> like to, just to get in front of them. Oh, almost. Almost. I think, that, I think that was the same one where like I just came around the corner and the soundtrack stopped playing and there was fucking MIDI music in the background. Oh, and yeah. I was like, what me. is this? Yeah. That happened to me. Yeah. I was you know the um the bits where the, the two gardens are facing across each other. And it, yeah. it plays it plays the landing from uh, the Dollop mission at the beginning. Yeah, it randomly turned into some MIDI version of it. It completely ruined like the epicness of the moment. <laughs> Now, now, what needs to happen to complete this joke is when it turns to the mini music, it just needs to go. <laughs> I've, uh, I'm afraid I've actually ruined some aspects of Final Fantasy VIII for myself with that remaster because what? I just can't play it with not three X on. Yeah, same. It's yeah. the moments where I turn it off and I'm like, man, this is slow. And <laughs> Squall's just yeah. like, just running in place really. Just get to where you're going, dude. But I don't know. So, exactly but the, 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 the more I play on that remaster, I really am not impressed with a lot of aspects of it. And I think the main, uh, the main bothering fact for me is the menu running at a different speed. It just kills it. Yeah. I mean, the game itself well, is still phenomenal, but when you're in combat and you can't like quickly select through things, I don't know. It's annoying. I'm still enjoying it. It's being really nice to revisit. I'm I'm playing it in between, like, cause obviously I play my Switch a lot of work. I uh, I'm playing it uh, in between other stuff. Like, if there's not anything I particularly want to play at the time, I just go. Yeah, it it's I've just, it's I've great just got to the Ragnarok, so I'm I'm doing all the sort of extra bits. It's great to blitz moment, through so. it though. Like, you can get through a lot of other shit that. You know, you know, when you want to play that lengthy RPG, you don't want to dump all that time into you just like, all right, three X, here we go. Or turn the battles off and just go enjoy the story. <laughs> Away we go. <laughs> Hot pickle. Yeah. It's funny, too, because like that always sort of begs the question to me, like there are games that I play that are absolutely just I, I would describe them as majestic, right? They're awe inspiring. Mega Man 2, I know. I, walk away, I know, I know. <laughs> And I walk away from those games and I'm like, man, I'm going to go back and I'm going to play that again someday. And I'm just going to have the same experience. Um, and it never quite happens because you can never experience something again for the first time. Um, well, and, well, you know, I, I wonder I wonder, like with Final Fantasy eight, if it suffers from like The Witcher, um, because like I love The Witcher three. I beat the shit out of that game on PlayStation four and I have tried to go back and play it on Xbox now that I have the prettier version of it. And I've even tried it on PC and it's just a boredom simulator. Like I cannot get past how in depth and involved getting back into that game really is. I think they're not picking um, it up on switch then. 
I, I thought about it and I was like, you know, I'd really like to see it on Switch and, you know, I can go look at videos and all that stuff. But I'm like, I'll never finish it. I'll never go and back. See, I think that's the again. problem, though, is that the first time you, you jump into a game that large, you have no concept of how in-depth or how big it's going to be. So when you beat it and you want to go mm-hmm. back to it, you're like, oh, my God, I remember dumping all this time into it. But did yeah, like I, re- I oh, go ahead. I was going to say, did you see the video of the guys who modded their uh, modded the, the Witcher on Switch to replicate PC graphics? No. Oh my God, Good Lord! It was just melting. It was melting the internal components of that switch. I, I they broke open the UI or something like that. I didn't read too much into it, but they said, "Yeah, this is damn near PC quality graphics running on the switch." And they're like, Jeez. we don't want to know what's happening to this chipboard inside. Like the thing is, they've done. Don't get me wrong; it obviously doesn't look as good as the other versions. But man, they they've got that running well on there. How the hell Apparently did they pack it looks that pro- onto a little cart? God knows. But yeah. they um they supposedly it looks a bit shit when it's docked but in handheld apparently it's completely serviceable i've never played the witcher i might get around to it one day now it's portable but still oh oh and do i don't want to discourage anybody from playing the witcher the witcher is an incredible game i would call it an accomplishment probably further beyond even what was done with red dead just in terms of graphics and what they did with the story in fact it's a lot more fun to play (laughs) sorry tom um i would call it the witcher 3 yeah (laughs) but it was um but again, Tom's I just here. can't go back and play it again. I know, I know. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I just can't go back and play it again. I've tried. It, it just there's too much else on my list that I really want to get to. You're like the Last of Us, Eric, aren't you? You you can't play the Last of Us again. No, that's because I told myself I don't want to. Oh, okay. I don't. I, I don't want to ruin my experience with that game. Yeah, I may. I may have forgotten some of the finer plot points, but I still remember the emotion and the feeling surrounding that game, and I don't want to overwrite that. Like, as soon as that credit, the, the credits rolled, that's the only game I've definitively said I never want to play this again for a good reason. Mm. So, and I'm going to stand to it. Yeah, that game is an emotional roller coaster, and it would be hard to go back and play it again, and knowing what you know. I think I want to. Before the well, now you have extra out. time. Yeah, now I have extra that, time. And the part two's been delayed. Oh man, I am happy about that delay because <laughs> yeah, I think it, ca- think it came out is it two two weeks before or two weeks after the Final Fantasy VII remake originally, and I was like, Oof, yeah. I am not going to get to blame both of those. There is- I'm right back where I am with Breath of the Wild and Horizon Zero Dawn. <laughs> oh God, what now? <laughs> there was something else really high profile that recently got pushed from November Doom. to March. Yeah, Doom Eternal got pushed. Yeah, it's now released yeah. on the same day as Animal Crossing. But- but that the thing is that is like huge loss for Stadia that being delayed because that yeah. was going to be their kind of Stadia this is it the, working the founders edition comes out in a couple of weeks mm. yeah on a first come first serve basis if you pre-ordered you won't and you want one of the later ones to pre-order it you uh, won't necessarily get it on day one I am curious as to how that's going to play out I'm going to try it with an Xbox controller and. See, I'll subscribe for a month, but I have no real need to buy the hardware associated mm. with it. Well, you don't even need to subscribe. I, you can just, just buy a game, can't you? Well, but it requires a subscription fee, no, doesn't it? No, 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 no. So basically, if you only want it as... if You only, you only get 1080p, admittedly, but Stadia, basically... The, the, the messaging on it is really, really unclear for most part, but... Mm, fancy that. Basically, you do, you do not actually need to pay any kind of subscription fee or anything like that to use Stadia. You literally just can make an account and then buy the games a la carte there is a subscription service which means that you do get some free games and you also get 4k and dolby surround sound and all that bollocks as well but you don't actually have to pay a subscription for stadia to use their standard 
thing. Once it eventually yeah. comes out, anyway. Like the founders guy, the, the founders guys, obviously. Will I will for a probably bit, subscribe for a month thing. just to experience it. Yeah, and I I want to kind of see how much data it really chows through when you're doing 4K. Yeah, because uh, I imagine that's pretty. I, I can't imagine it's a light amount of data. Again, and I always use the Netflix paradigm of a full movie at, you know, HD resolution, which is what, 1080p on Netflix, chews up about 300 meg, 500 if it's a really long movie. A 4K movie, on the other hand, chews up like three times that amount. So Yeah, and that's two what hours. That so like over the course of playing a game? Yeah. Imagine if you're playing a 60-hour game. Yeah. Yeesh. Um, Sucks you, you data cap, Eric. Yeah, no shit. I almost broke yeah. it again last month. <laughs> yeah we were talking about that like yesterday weren't we <laughs> yeah i got a i got a notification an email it's like you're at 85 percent full and by the time i checked on the email i'm like you're at 93 percent full I'm like what the fuck am i doing good thing my data reset the next day so i went and i sorry kids no coco melon for you <laughs> no netflix but daddy read a book i will probably when yeah. when stadia comes out for everybody not just the founders i will probably i'll buy a cheap game just to give it a go and see how it works but i won't be subscribing because my hope is that um well what i think is going to happen is that x cloud is going to fucking kill it compared to stadia and also they've got the benefit of having game pass as well so yeah i will probably end up using that instead if i'm, if I'm going to use a streaming service but i'm planning on getting the next consoles anyway yeah. if i can afford it i yeah. might get both again I- I mean, depending on the quality and what they're able to do, honestly, NVIDIA GameStream is looking like a really good option. Have you heard of that? Uh, mm-hmm. I have not. So NVIDIA GameStream is just what it sounds like. You're streaming off a server and games, blah, blah. Mm. It's, you know, it's very much like the other two. The difference is it hooks to your Steam account. Mm-hmm. So you don't pay for games. Oh, that you're interesting. And I know Android just got a big release, so it's it's compatible with Android phones and tablets, all of them. Mm. So, you know, everybody's getting into this space, which means... Good things for consumers. It yeah. means that prices can drop across the board for all three, or you know, one of them will get. There is a beta for XCloud happening at the moment, uh, or it's about to happen, but it's on Android only, and I'm an iPhone user, so I can't get involved, unfortunately. Hmm. I'd like to try it out because I would have the liked last, to try it. The last time I looked at uh, the XCloud stuff, they were really limiting it to like phones and tablets, and it was stuck at 720p, which again doesn't make sense for me. Mm. That puts it into PlayStation now, Tori. Territory. <laughs> which hey now that that's more affordable in price that's not a terrible option either yeah and they've actually put some but they're only on temporarily but they've put some high profile games on there now haven't they yeah 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 like you can you can oh, play yeah. god of war i am uh, gonna sign up for this for what x cloud beta well have you, yeah. you you've got an iphone though haven't you yeah but i have other android devices oh okay yeah. i have like three android phones just sitting around doing dick all yeah you Give it a will. Don't be shy. Give it a try. I'll have to look it up later because I can't focus. Yes. Yes. <laughs> can't focus. Squirrel. Yeah. But no, I'm, I'm hoping that, you know, xCloud works because if I can combine xCloud and Game Pass together, I am game. Pass. Yeah. I mean, I think they're they're all good options. I'm never going to stop buying physical games as long as they keep making them. I just believe in them. It's physical just games. the next step in conditioning the market for an all digital future yeah but you know what like you said it's the caveats that come with that that are the big hang up for me yeah the licensing and all of that so mm-hmm. you know it, people always say you know why why do you care so much about um physical copies look at pc 
I mean, everybody's just universally fine with PC for all intents and purposes being purely digital. Yeah. I can't tell you the last time I bought it. Well, actually, as, I can't tell you the last time. As long as it's time. all on one launcher and you don't dare use another launcher. Ooh. I bought Civ 6 <laughs> physical copy on PC because Target at the time was having to buy two, get one free. So I traipsed all over the fucking city trying to find a physical copy of Civ 6 at a Target. And I found Pip one. Six. Yes. Well, I mean, physical, physical PC games are even getting hard to find now. I, do they even still sell them at GameStop anymore? I don't think they sell them at GameStop, they but they like, still sell them at, at Target, uh, Walmart. Yeah, yeah, Walmart, Target. That's where I bought the last couple of physical games I bought there. But again, so that is really just downloading something. Yeah. What about game, Mike? Do they sell PC games? Nope. They do not. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and I get it. It works. Uh, you know, I've, I've held long time to Steam, and it's not because I think Steam is great. I think Steam is a fine platform, and you know, with the Steam box streaming stuff, like it works fine. Um, but I stick there because I have thousands of games on Steam mm. and I don't need multiple services and multiple passwords. Like the thing that annoys me by Stadia is already like just from hearing that, like, oh, good, I get to have another Google <laughs> account that's a Stadia <laughs> account. And I have one for Google Drive and I have four different Gmail accounts like the We got to get to a single sign on it at some point to make some of this stuff start making sense. Either we just need like an Internet of, overlord. Like, the Holy Tome of Zach's password. <laughs> we just need an internet overlord that buys everything and just consolidates it all into one account yeah but i've said that for years about movie streaming like if you wanted to make a billion dollars and probably get bought up and shut down almost immediately come up with an app that just is video streaming you type in a movie and it just delivers a movie to you it doesn't care about if it comes from amazon prime or netflix or Vudu or Hulu or wherever. It just you go look for something and there it is. As long as you have that account tied to that app. Yeah, as long as you have the account tied to that. And Chromecast kind of does that. Um, but it doesn't have nearly enough services. Because like when I say to my and I can't say it because it'll start queuing stuff across my house, but you know when I give the Google command and I say, Hey, play this, as long as it's on one of my services, it just kind of at random picks from where it pulls from it, whether it be YouTube or Google Play Movies or Hulu or I think it's got HBO and Netflix tied to it. Too. Up. If you do it on the uh, yeah. if you do it on the Echo <laughs> 4chan, <laughs> Ooh, no. cast tentacle porn. Oh, there it is. All the tentacle porn you'd ever need. <laughs> if you do it on the uh, Amazon devices, it obviously tries to pull from Amazon first. Yeah, sure. Well, and that makes sense. And I mean, it's probably got some of that logic built into Google, but like I kind of want to get to the point where I don't have to think about it anymore. Yeah. The fact that we have multiple apps across every TV in the house and that every time I feel like I just bought my kid a kids a uh, TV for their playroom, which I want to talk about in a second. Um, you know, I'm going to have to go put like 30 different app sign in and passwords. And yeah, I get it. First world problems. But I've already got enough first world living problems that I think I get to complain about that one. <laughs> got 3,000 square feet of carpet. I got a vacuum. That's right. That's right. Yeah. The only reason I wanted to talk about the TV was because I'd like to call out to anybody who complains now about how technology is ruining our lives. Did not grow up in my era um, where I remember like we had one TV in my house and the biggest size TV we had in my house growing up was like. 25 inch tv and we thought that was monstrous i just bought my kids a 65 inch 4k hdr tv for 400 dollars. jesus 
And that is just remarkable to me. And it's a throwaway TV. You know, it's not the best quality or anything like that. But the fact that you can go out and do that right now is just absolutely ridiculous. When I was a freshman in high school, I bought a 27-inch Daewoo CRT, that fucking thing sitting right behind me, for $700 (laughs) or some bullshit like that. Yeah. And I took that to college with me, and I had the largest TV that anybody knew of in the dorms. Yep. Just stupid. Everybody else is bringing their little 13, 15, 17-inch color TVs. I'm like, fuckers, come over here, play Halo 2, four-player, split screen. <laughs> I'll wreck you. We can do it properly. This is America. So, but if we're, do- if we're doing a tournament, God damn it, go get your own TV. I need the, all 27 inches of this. All 27 inches of 320i. <laughs> <laughs> of foreign off-brand CRT hiding all the flaws in every game's graphics <laughs> yep uh, but I'm, I'm just i'm not one of those people that believes that like technology has moved too fast and it's endangering us it's gotten so much better yeah um and just again to have access to that i mean my wife and i are talking about buying a new tv for our room because the one in our our bedroom is actually tiny compared to what we now have for the kids and it's old i think we've had it since we got married 10 years ago and now you you can literally buy a picture that looks like a frame that you hang on the wall. Yeah, the LG wallpaper you know, the TV. Sam, yeah, or the Samsung frame. Yeah, which is literally built into a picture frame. My boss like, yep, bought one of those for his house. It's so cool. I walked in and I'm like, "That's a cool yeah. piece of art." He's like, "That's nah, a TV." I'm like, oh, fucking a, yeah, that's so cool. Yeah, yeah. And they're all so cheap. I mean, yeah, you can spend money on high end displays, and certainly as you get into you know like the QLEDs, and you get into you know, OLEDs and now, you know, everybody's talking about 8K and that's still ridiculous to me. 10K is um, already out there. Oh, God. <laughs> you find me even a high-end PC with quad SLI graphics that can handle even 8K at 20 frames a second <laughs> I will, and I will be blown away. I will say <laughs> that if you are if you are in the market for getting a TV that you want to use as your primary source of gaming entertainment and you want it to be high quality and you're doing anything above 60-inch, and you want to fully take advantage of HDR, you have to have full array backlighting. And for that, yeah. easily double your cost. Yeah. Because yeah. if you if you well, get side lit on something that large, you're going to be highly disappointed. You'll be like, well, what the fuck's the big deal about HDR? Well, because you're trying to light the center of a screen 30 inches away with a thin 2 millimeter light. Yeah, mine. Yeah, you, I've got a 55-inch, and mine's edge, light, edge lit, and... It's perfectly serv- uh, perfectly serviceable, but I can see, especially on very, uh, so if it's a mainly dark screen, like it's completely black with like something in the middle, you can see where the edge lighting is coming from. Yep. And if the TV was any bigger, it would be a problem. But yeah. my, mine's great. I, I love my I love my panel, but it's you know if it was yeah. any bigger with that setup, it wouldn't be great. Yeah, up to fifty, you're you're fine. I still think you should get the um, the the full array backlit with dimmable zoning. But, you know, obviously with that, you add dimmable zoning on there and you're adding another 25% to the cost. So, yep. yeah, I mean, I think kind of the idea of just going and buying LCDs is kind of passe now. If you want quality, I think you really have to start at the LED here. Yeah. Yep. And go up from there because you can get super expensive with TVs that are only in the 50 and five and 55 and, you know, 60 inch range, which is now relatively small. And that blows my mind. But I look at those and I'm like. Yeah, but you can absolutely see the quality differences. The only reason I have the TV that I have in my living room is because I took advantage of a stupid opportunity. So when it came out, it was a nine. Sure. It was a nine thousand dollar TV when it came out uh, through work. 
one of my buddies bought it for 4700 and then a year later turned it around to me for a thousand like yeah i'll do that (laughs) i'll do that (laughs) yeah so well i mean and there's deals to be had out there i just like i said i i occasionally hear somebody and it's usually the boomer crowd but they were always like you know this technology we didn't grow up with screens and this and that i'm like yeah that's nice you're like i like to be able to see my tv from across the room that i'm in you know and i think (laughs) i think that that argument is a little flawed in that you know well we were fine without that yeah but we would have we would have utilized that same shit if we were a kid you know trying to raise your kids like you like you were raised is fundamentally yeah. wrong because it's a different era. It's a different generation. And um, we're seeing that in schools right now. There's this big push to get as much technology in the classroom as possible. But if you look at what's happening in Silicon Valley, all of these tech giants are sending their kids to schools that are fundamental schools with no technology because they see the damage that technology is having on kids when provided to them in that length of time. Yeah. Well, and I think too, you just, you have to balance it, right? Because your kids can't not, we, we struggled with it because we bought kids tablets for the first time last year. Um, and before that we just kind of let them use ours. Um, but we wanted them to have tablets because number one, they were a requirement for some school stuff. But number two, you know, you want your kids to be tech literate yeah, um, and have it be the second language that it isn't for me. I'm a Gen Xer. Um, I didn't get my first real um, home computer set up until I was probably 15 years old. Um, and you know, I was born in the seventies. What do you want? Um, but you know, it's a, it's a learned vocabulary for me where it's sort of innate to them. Well, look at, look at what's being offered in schools right now. When I was in middle school and in high school, okay, take a second language. You can do French, you can do German in high school. They even offered Latin. Okay. That's a, that's a great choice. If you're going to be a doctor, but I'm not, but now they're, they're, (laughs) They're still offering that stuff, but the second language truly is coding. If you can code, it doesn't yeah. matter what language, Ruby or Python or HTML5 or whatever, you can write your ticket. I mean, that's, that is yep. what you need to know going forward. Yep. So, so get off my lawn. It's, it's yeah. <laughs> I still say that height of all civilization was where they had free GameCube games and McDonald's, but you know, we're, we're on the downward slide, but it'll be a lovely ride all the way down. You know, <laughs> So one of the uh, pieces of feedback that we got from that huge survey that we put out, which is still up if you want to um, fill it out for us. It's been really neat to go through and read some of that stuff. But uh, we asked for a couple ideas for new segments. And well, I don't really want to call it a segment. We do usually talk about it. Um, People said we want to know like what games you've picked up since the previous show, because especially with Zach being on here, um, we buy a lot of games a lot of the time. And we don't always really. It's a good job Zach is here because I don't really pick that up many of them that often. <laughs> so if it's just me and you, <laughs> I just yeah. But you play Game Pass. It's the same thing. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that true. But uh, no, I I actually picked up a game that I want to talk about for just, just a couple minutes. I mean, we don't need to go through everything. But as you know, I am slowly punishing myself with the goal of completing a working designs collection, which. Mm-hmm. I'm too far into it to abandon it now. I mean, I'm I'm uh-huh. about fifty percent of the way, and I just got to keep going. But I I was early for a meeting and saw that I was only a couple miles away from a, a store that I don't get to go to very often, and walked in and saw this big, colorful PS1 game in the case. I'm like, what the fuck is? It? Oh, it's Working Designs. Wow, well, oh, I gotta see that. And I just checked. I'm like, I know I don't have that game. It was eighty bucks, which is obviously outside of my impulse range. So I checked mm-hmm. it on price charting. The dude had it like $35 above 
what they had it listed as. Like, okay, I generally will go about 10% higher than that just to support, you know, your brick and mortar costs and all of that. So I brought it up to him and he's like, yeah, I'll do it for 50 bucks. Take my money, go. But it was this uh, working design game called Silhouette Mirage, which I had not heard of before. But man, what a fucking weird game. Have you ever watched any gameplay? Science game, yeah. It's done under the under the the uh, Spaz title, which I don't know yeah. why they had that. But um, Vey on Sega Saturn or Sega CD, I think, was also done under the Spaz title. But um, it's a two D side scrolling beat 'em up, shoot 'em up platformer. The art style is so mirage, you say? Yeah, the art style is so weirdly inconsistent. So you are this little wizard type girl who has a multicolored dress on. The left side is red, right side is blue. And when you're walking to the right side of the screen, you are red and you shoot out red attacks, which are used against the red enemies but if a blue person comes towards you then you have to use some of your other skills to either get behind them spin them around shoot them with blue spin yourself around or you can transform and like flip the colors of your dress but if you look at the art style on it it's so wildly inconsistent so you have these 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 weird enemies in the first couple levels that just look like really poorly drawn anime women really flat single textures um it's just a strange game that I don't ever foresee wanting to play ever again. I played about two or three hours of it went, this game's <laughs> real bad. Mm, yeah, this looks mental. <laughs> I'm just looking at some gameplay yeah. footage of it now. It was released on Saturn as well, Eric. Don't tell me that. <laughs> oh. No, but I don't think it was done under, under um, uh, working designs. I mean, it got really good reviews. It's just, yeah. In fact, it was only released in Japan on the Sun. Okay, good. Yeah, it's only you know it's part of that era of games that's the uh, they it's a specialized kind of shmup slash beat 'em up called cute 'em ups. Yes, um, and it is really odd and bizarre. But all cute 'em ups is bizarre. Hey, you know another really good cute 'em up? Hmm. Magical Chase. It's of that same genre. Oh yeah, and this does just, look like the girl from Magical Chase. And, yeah. It, it magical Jace is definitely more of a shmup, but it's it's of that same just oddball out there weird design, um, and it's a it's a it's an interesting little game. Here, I'm gonna send you a link to these these enemies that I was talking about that are really fucking weird. Those things, <laughs> like everything is really cool stylized. It's it's got great sprites. I mean, you fight these giant mech robots, and then these little fucking things pop up, and they're they're just like what. Why is that there? Is it photoshopped in? It looks like shit. <laughs> but yeah. it, this is this is single-handedly the most pristine video game I own. I mean, Working Designs really? always has that really cool back. Like you can tell it's a Working Designs game where you've got the pictures are on the outside that are uh, in, uh, uh, bordered with gold, and it looks like it's actual gold foil on there, and it's really high quality. But over time, they start to fade. Like this one seems like they just pulled it out of a dark chest and just set it on the shelf. It's perfect. Like the uh, Lunar games were like that, right? Like, yeah. Yeah. Look at the backs of any of them. Like Alundra, they're all consistent in how they do it. It's terrible design. It looks like shit, but it's really unique and really neat. Yeah. But yeah, that that, that was my big find. Man, I got to tell you, you're going for a full collection of working games. Design is just like 
taking off your clothes and running backwards naked through a cornfield. That is going to be expensive and painful. <laughs> yeah, and I don't know if I'm doing myself a favor by waiting to get the Sega CD, Sega Saturn games until the end, or if I should just pull the trigger on them now, or if I should intersperse them. So when would you like to be poor? <laughs> At the end of your life or now? <laughs> They're not cheap. Preferably never. Yeah, there's a couple that are like 600 bucks. Yeah. So what I'm, oh, yeah. what I'm it, waiting it's, for... It's, is, You're in the snatcher camp now, bud. What I'm waiting for is one of those to show up at a local game store where, because Christy's a teacher, we get 20% off. I'm like, oh, 600 bucks, 20% off. Thank you. Yeah. But they'll probably put some bullshit yeah. caveat on there. Like, you can't use a discount on this one. Yeah, I got lucky. Um, I walked into a second in Charles in Huntsville when I was over visiting my mom and I picked up a bunch of... It was just one of those days where somebody came in and dropped a ton of Japanese games. So I got like Dark Messiah and a whole bunch of Japanese Dreamcast games. And if you're going to wait for that kind of opportunity, you better be there at eight o'clock in the morning <laughs> and, you know, 10 o'clock at night because collectors will absolutely go through and snatch that shit yep. up fast. A uh, couple of, the- you know, I'll oh, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Just say- oh, no, I was just going to say I, uh, I'm going for a full ease collection. Oh, dear. And I think I've got. I've got four games left. Oh dear! Um, and I, I don't buy them bo- without boxes and instructions and all that stuff. But I saw them in a second in Charles, and they were just overpriced, even for second in Charles. Um, so I thought, like, all right, well, let me walk around and think about it. And by the time I got back, they were already gone. Ugh. So get ready for that. <laughs> um, I got. Let's see. I picked up on Mike's recommendation a copy of Mario 3D World. Finally. Yes. Dude, finally. Yeah. I love that game so much. What a fucking game. Yeah, I mean, I'm blown away. It's not on Switch. Me They're going to have to, right? Surely. So I was 100% convinced I'd never touched this game because I think I would have remembered Cat Mario. And I, yeah. I fired it up, put it in my Wii, and I had a game save from January 1st of 2016. I, I don't. I've never owned this game. I've never rented this game. And I know nobody huh. else who owned a Wii U to borrow this game from. Apparently I played it, but I only had like two green stars on it. So if I did play it, I didn't play it. She did the first level. (laughs) Yeah, I I thought it was awesome and abandoned it. But I'm a. Was it your packing game? No, my packing game was a Wii. My packing game was Mario Kart. Uh, Interesting. I have a Wii U deluxe set, and I think that came with new. Oh, I can see the box. Yeah, it came with new Super Mario Brothers. Is it the white one that Um, only had eight gig? No, I bought the one that came out later with a different box art. It was a 32. Yep, that's what I have. But but uh, I remember being really mad because I couldn't find Mario 3D World for a long time because Wii U just didn't proliferate well. Yeah, it it it's not terribly hard to uh, find anymore. It's just the pricing is really inconsistent. I think I finally picked it up for eight bucks, but everywhere else is like 20, 25. Wii yeah. U games over here has suddenly dropped in price. and I'm not sure why. I would uh, snatch those still- up. Even sec- even secondhand. So CEX, the main kind of secondhand store across the, the country here. Um, I keep picking up random Wii U games and just because they go cheap. So I picked up... I actually want to have a quick talk about this. Um, I picked up Donkey Kong Tropical Freeze on the Wii U because obviously it's come out. On, it's it's on Switch and it's ridiculously overpriced on Switch. <laughs> like they're, they're, they're charging more for it on Switch than it was full price on the Wii U. But um, everywhere I've ever seen it, even on Wii U, it was, I don't know, about 20 quid. 
and randomly I found it in CEX for £10. I was like, yes, wow. having that. And I've had a look and I've seen it since. It's randomly gone back up to £12, which still isn't a massive jump up, but I don't know why it was at £10. I'll tell you the one game Man, that Man, what a game. Like, what? Like, yeah, amazing 2D platformer. Like, if you only own a, own a Switch and you see this cheap, pick it up because it is just absolutely cracking. It's so good. But um, I own the other Donkey Kong Gumkey. Donkey Kong Gum. <laughs> the other one. That's not Tropical Freeze on Wii, and it was excellent. Is that the so, one where you uh, ride the uh, yeah. returns? Yeah, that one was great. Huh? Yeah. yeah. The silhouette level. Yeah. Wii, isn't it? Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I also randomly picked up uh, Bayonetta 1 and 2 on the Wii U for £5 each. Oh, recently. shit. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I don't know. Like, they were still expensive as well. So... And, um, I've picked up. I picked a Wind Waker for fifteen quid. Now, generally, that was about twenty five. I picked up Twilight mm. Princess for twenty a couple of weeks ago on the Wii U as well, and that was usually twenty five, maybe twenty eight secondhand. So I don't know what's happened with CX, but they've randomly dropped their prices on Mike the in a retro game pickup shocker, genuine <laughs> shocker. <laughs> well, we need Wind Waker for next year, but I also wanted a copy of Twilight Princess anyway. So I'm the love is spreading. I'm looking at <laughs> <laughs> well, I'd, I'd never played any of the Bayonetta games. I fought for a fiver, and I, I enjoy playing on my Wii U still. Like I don't give a shit yeah. what anyone says. No, the Bayonetta games are excellent. They're a little frantic, but they're really good. Hmm. And I, I was going to pick them up for Switch, but eh, I've lost the portability. But I'll play them at home. And on the Wii after Wii playing play. Mario 3D World, I'll tell you what game that I had originally had zero interest in, and that I'm kind of interested in now is Captain Toad Treasure Tracker because mm, they yeah, have those little that. offshoot missions which I'm assuming spawned this game. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm looking at the list of uh, best Wii U games, and it's kind of thin. Yeah. (laughs) Super Mario 3D World should definitely be on top of that list. Uh, Realistically now, the only things that the Wii U has got over the Switch, uh, Mario 3D World, well, well, I say got over, like these are the games that are probably the only ones missing from being transferred to Switch now to really play some fantastic games that you missed out on if you didn't have a Wii U because obviously Xenoblade Chronicles is coming not that I've played that but um, I would argue Mario 3D World the two Zelda remasters mm. and yep. uh, whichever I've not played it but I know it's a big deal like the Pikmin game that's on Wii U is it Pikmin 3? Yes. Yeah like I would argue that they're the, as soon as those all get ported to Switch like you can fuck the Wii U off. Yeah I, I don't disagree with you. Yeah I'm just skimming yeah. through a list. There's a- of ones there's a metroid yeah. prime is that for wii or is that for wii the metroid prime trilogy that's on wii released one for wii yeah it's not it's on normal wii because i've got it because we're playing metroid prime this year and next. i've got oh, no, not next. i got the trilogy for original wii oh reckon reckon yeah super mario maker should be on that list too because the first super mario maker was genuinely good yeah but we've got two now so Oh, I know. I know. I'm just saying. It was a good Wii U game. Man, the Wii U had such um, a oh. shit library of games, though. Holy yeah. cow. It does, have, it does have one super expensive collectible game, though. Uh, it's the uh, Hello Kitty Kart Racer. Oh, yeah, Kart Racers. Okay, then it's got two. No, the, car, the, other one the Hello Kitty third. is original Wii, isn't it? No, I think it's Wii U. Okay, sorry, Zach. What game did you say? It's a game by uh, Tanabaru Itagaki, the same guy who made the original Ninja Gaiden, and it is absolute shit, but it's called Devil's Third. If you can find an original release of that sealed, it's worth some money. Devil's Third? Yep. It's terrible. I own two copies of it. I own one sealed and one unsealed, but it's uh, it's an absolute piece of shit, but it's relatively rare. Bay Digit is a uh, widely released digital game because they knew it wasn't going to sell well, 
So physical copies are kind of hard to come. Oh, by. shit. That Hello Kitty game came down in price. It's called Hello Kitty Cruisers with a K. Right. And it's only it it's only at 47. I remember when it was like 180. Uh, yeah. And I think it plummeted after the Switch version came out. Probably. Which sucks. Yeah. Because I've had some games in my collection take an absolute nosedive because of re-releases. Yep. Well, but you gotta you gotta look at it as like HD remasters usually cause the inverse of that. They usually cause the original's value to go up. But when they just do a blanket re-release, yeah, yeah. prices are gonna plummet. Mm. Uh, I found th- Devil's oh. Third, and I'm pretty three six five games is all brand new games, isn't it? They didn't do second hand ones. Who? Am I at three six five games? Who? I, you've obviously never used them. They might be buy as a dot uk site, but I'm sure I'm gonna have a look at this because. I'm, I need to figure out if they just do brand new games or not. But if they only do brand new games, they've got Devil's Third for £10.49. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, I see. It could have just been a US release thing too. Mm. And it could be that they may have done like a second batch of printing. So, oh, maybe. Um, I'm looking yeah. at price charting right now. And Devil's Third Wii U complete in box is 56 but the PAL version is 13 bucks. Yeah, uh, it must be US yeah. one then. So it could have been US release then. Might be similar. Remember, I got Eternal Darkness on cheap as well over here. Jesus. Yeah. So. And I don't care what price charting says. I've never seen a copy of that. I've never even heard of it. Box. Yeah. Hmm. I've uh, definitely seen this box art before, so I must have heard it. Hmm. Interesting. interesting. Yeah, there's, there's some really interesting Wii U games. I don't discount the system um, at all. But I, yeah, it's got a very limited library and it's got the Wii syndrome where kind of at the tail end of its library, it was just garbage. Mm. <laughs> garbage. I don't think anybody's release. ever going to compete with the amount of shovelware that the Wii threw out there. <laughs> it was yeah. bad. It's it's up there with the DS and like the Game Boy Color for at the end of the generation, just like, here's a game about a hat and it's got a stick and there's kitty. <laughs> Yeah, I think, I think the, Switch, the, the Switch is somewhat competing on the eShop front. Have you gone into the eShop lately? There is a bunch of garbage in there. Oh, yeah. look, they're, they're porting like, some mobile games to it, aren't they? And some of them just weird choices, but also a lot of them don't translate from what I can see. I read a really yeah. interesting developer article about pricing games on the on the Switch because the Switch is a terrible storefront by all accounts. It is horrible to try to navigate and the whole goal is to get into the great deals or the featured section. So what people will do is they will price their game really high and then sell it for 99 cents. And what they're discovering is that they actually make infinitely more sales doing it that way. Even though they're only selling their game for a dollar, people look at it and go, eh, I'll throw a buck at this. I mean, I'm guilty of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I have a few games on the Switch. And I'm like, this is crap, but I only paid nine cents. And yep. they're seeing massive influxes of sale by doing that. So it's it's just yeah, I, a bunch of crap on there. I, I try not to go to the Switch online store that often because I kind of treat it like Steam. Anytime there's a sale and there's something under a dollar, I'm like, yeah, fuck it. Yeah. And then I spend $12 on shit. Although I do get a couple gems. I played Slain for the first time. I picked up through, uh, uh, Frederick, that music shot. game, for 32 cents, and that turned out to be pretty good. Yeah, so you can you can find diamonds in the pile. I'm willing to throw <laughs> under $5 at almost anything. Be like, eh, I'll try this. I mean, shit, on Steam, I've got a game called There's Poop in My Soup, and I paid 8 cents yeah, for it. Nice. 
Yeah, I paid full price for Agony, so I'm not allowed to judge anybody on there. What the fuck is that? <laughs> their purchasing press. <laughs> Uh, Although I will admit, Agony got patched and it's better now. I actually oh, I that, remember that you talking about of, this. Yeah, Agony got Agony was a shit show. And just as a tiny recap, it's a game where you were ostensibly playing um, a demon, right? A character that gets yeah, you're a character that gets thrown into hell, and you're kind of trying to fight your way out and be the the top of the shit pile in hell. Wow. And when the game came out, it was totally broken in, in every way. The gameplay wasn't right. The graphics were buggy. Um, and its whole shtick was it was supposed to be the super adult game with, I mean, just crazy, crazy shit. And I won't even get into it because it's not at all appropriate for even like NSW. Oh, yeah. Comments. Yeah. It's a. Uh, yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. It's it's crazy. Uh, but they did release a patch. Um, the publisher, when they released it on Steam, had made them pull out all the adult rated stuff. So they kind of put that back in. But they went back and they listened to a lot of feedback and they made it sort of a more linear game. And it's just ultimately better. I'm not going to call it a game of the year. I'm not even going to call it like a solid B. It's a C plus, but it's worth playing. And especially if you can get it for a dollar. It's an interesting conceptual game. What systems is it pretty- on? Just PC? Uh, oh, PS4. It's on PC. It's on Switch. I know it's on PS4 and it's on PS4 and Xbox. I don't know that I'd play it there, honestly. I think I'd stick to Steam if you wanted to play it because, you know, the more horsepower you have at it, the better it's going to look. And looking well and having this sort of atmospheric hell built around you is the best part of the game. It is $12 it on is Steam right now. Excellent. <laughs> That's uh, well worth your $12. Yeah, at least it's at mixed reviews. Zach yeah. and get an Eric better. to spend money shocker. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, speaking of spending oh, money. I, I, I bought it for full price, so yeah, I can't talk. So <laughs> I have put two games on my shelf this week that I've paid full price for and it will probably never open. Um, oh, let's hear I it. am now uh, over 50% of my Trails in the Sky collection fully sealed. Trails in the Sky 3 came out last Tuesday? Something like that? Yeah. Which, yeah. to be honest, I'm... I really want to play through that franchise because Trails in the Sky is revered as one of the premier JRPGs of this generation. Well, technically last generation or two generations ago, but of this era, it's supposedly just phenomenal. And then you have to uh, flip into second chapter, then third chapter. And then after that, it flips into Trails in the Sky, which tells the opposing side of that Erebonian War. But Trails in this uh, Trails of Cold Steel is apparently just a fantastic RPG, which the latest one has been kind of it's been compared to a crossover between Persona 5 and Suikoden, which sounds amazing. But I don't want to open it. Shit, I may pick that up. I don't want to open it. What are your thoughts, Mike? Should I open it? Hey, (laughs) don't confuse me with Dan. (laughs) Mike has leaned back and is clearly disengaged. <laughs> uh, but but then, no, don't confuse me with Dan. You do what you want with your games. <laughs> I got an email a week and a half ago saying that a game that I apparently ordered on January first of this year has finally shipped, and that was the limited run games copy of Celeste. Oh yeah. Which, if you look up I got, prices, I got that totally out of the blue. I do not remember ordering it. Look up eBay prices on that thing right now. Really? Oh yeah. Is it bad? It's it's up there. It's like last time I checked, it was like one ninety. Jesus Good Christ! Lord. Well, they delayed that, didn't they? So they could get the DLC on the. Uh, yep. They put the in a really neat. 
collector's card and then a really cool little postcard in there that explained, hey, you know, this is typical. This is not typical of our length of production time, but we appreciate your patience while we want to have the full complete game on this cartridge. So, I mean, it doesn't matter to me. I'm not going to open it. Yeah, don't bother playing that last yeah. bit anyway. Just you tuck, know my thoughts just, on that. Just tucked it on my shelf. <laughs> uh, a couple other things yeah. I want to point out that I picked up. A sequel to Tales of Symphonia, which I talked about, that I picked up not long ago, for the Wii called Dawn of a New Generation. Or Dawn of a New World, I'm hmm. sorry. Tales of Symphonia, Dawn of the New World. Which... I really, I, I really like the Tales games, and then I really didn't like them, and now I really like them. Again. So Tom has been hounding me to get into these for quite a while, because he and I like those weird offshoot JRPGs, and we both have been really bad about unsubscribing to the Humble Bundle monthly over the past few months, so we've just kind of gotten the stockpile of random codes. So we go onto this website called Steam Trades, and I traded away a few games to get a copy of Tales of Berseria, and I started playing through that just to see what it was like on PC. And good God, that game is right up every one of my alleys. So the the Sympho- or the Tales games is definitely a franchise I want to dive into. And Tom's like, definitely start with Symphonia because it's it, it kind of kicks off the whole modern era of those games. So I didn't know that there was a copy of it on the Wii and it was $4. Nice. So there we go. There's that. Um, a couple the D- Tales games are a bit, are they a bit like Final Fantasy where they don't really follow on from one another? They're just I a certain style and things like that? Or? That would more be a question for Tom, but I believe so. Mm. Hey, Tom. Yeah. Tom. Tom? We'll wait. Tom. Tom? He's in the Moose Copter. Oh, the Moose Cop. Moose Copter <laughs> 1, Citizen 1. Get, get it, Dan, because Tom's not actually here. Dan? <laughs> I grabbed Dan? a couple DS games. I've been on a DS kick lately. Um, I picked up an open copy of Final Fantasy XII Revenant Wings so I can finally play that because I'm not opening my sealed copy for being honest. <laughs> <laughs> Ring a, of Fates really did a number on you with the like wanting to play DS recently, didn't it? It did, yeah. That game was so good. I really enjoyed that game. And then I picked up another Final Fantasy game, Final Fantasy Fables Chocobo Tales, which if you are not familiar with, they did a little bit of a spinoff series, Final Fantasy Fables, where they took modern fables and kind of retold them in a final fantasy world with chocobos so like the tortoise and the hare and it's it's all done in little little mini game things so the tortoise and the hare one is you're you're a chocobo and you have to race um i forget what they no you're not a chocobo i think you're an adamant toys or something like that and you have to race a chocobo and it just kind of retells that. It's just a mini game, like get to the top of the mountain in this time, and then you can do it faster to get more rewards. And you just kind of march through it that way. So it's it's a really cool little bite size game. It does have an overarching story, but it's told through these little individualized mini games. And the art style on it is incredible. Um, Pick that up for shit five bucks. So uh, yeah, they're... yeah, I really I've I've liked all the Chocobo offshoot games because like mysterious dungeon one and yeah that's the name of the one i was thinking about on the wii right yeah yeah aren't they re-releasing that on switch mystery dungeon they originally debuted on the original playstation so i think they're all kind of re-releases but man those were good games hmm yeah the fable or the let's see the chocobo's dungeon let's see i'm not gonna dig into it right now I picked up on Mike's recommendation as well, New Super Mario Brothers Deluxe U on the Switch. 
Mm. Yep. Also a cracking game. That game was great. Very underrated, I feel. Excellent game. And I That's got uh, the Luigi stuff on it too, right? Yep. New Luigi U. Yeah, yeah. yeah the, like time trial the, stuff. That's just <laughs> or as I like to call it, fuck your skills. Yeah. Part two. <laughs> <laughs> Suicide mode. <laughs> Holy shit, that game's hard. Yeah. It's fun, but it's super challenging. And I picked up yeah. a busted ass GameCube for 60 bucks. Oh, did you get the ugly one? No. I got a great mint condition silver one. Went to the store. They didn't have any out there. I'm like, do you guys have any in the back? He's like, yeah, we should have one in the back. And that should have been my first indication. It's like, it's in the back. Uh-huh. Brought it out. He cleaned it up. The The eject button was kind of sticky. So I'm like, just clean that up and yeah, I'll buy it. Got it home. Plugged it in. Press power. Literally nothing. Not even a light. Not even a little tick from the fans. I'm like, you son of a bitch. Aww. So I took it back and now I don't have a GameCube. I just I know so, I know we've been through this and I know you want to get the Game Boy player for it and I understand that but I still just don't understand your eagerness to try and get a GameCube when you you have a Wii and you can just get the component cables for the Wii and it will look the games will look better through that the GameCube games will look better through that than Mike you were talking to somebody who with, purchases with games the, and with doesn't the composite cable <laughs> and doesn't open them Holy shit, we're going to come to the point of the argument where Eric just says it has a handle. <laughs> I'm surprised we're not there already. That was, my next, that was my next point. I know him well. <laughs> Listen, you show me one other console ever released that has a handle that isn't portable. Mike, you need to come to MoCon next year just so you and I can talk him into spending $700 on a Panasonic Q. Okay. But together, we can do it. <laughs> it might have to be in can two we years. Can we convince him, somehow convince him to pay for my flights as well? Uh, yeah, yeah, I got it. All right. I got it. Hey, I'm a Patreon. I'm supporting you right now. This is what I'm doing. Me supporting you, Mike. Me to you. Me to you. <laughs> I'm not entirely sure we'll be at MoCon next year because of Tom's wedding. Oh, yeah, shit. I know. Yeah. I got my invitation. <gasps> Are you going to go? Ooh. Uh, we shall see. Ooh, what? That's awesome. That's a we shall see because with with the new job, I do actually have a center that's in the UK, and if I can swing it at the same time, so possibly. we could go on a game spending spree in Europe. Oh God! Oh Christ! Oh God! <laughs> that's just that's just me trying to pack PAL consoles into a suitcase and getting <laughs> stuck at customs and explaining how these aren't bombs. <laughs> Christy and I are both taking each a large suitcase like you do know that mine all of my shit is going to be crammed into yours because i'll probably be buying stuff mike mike he's gonna have like one suit one pair of jeans and four t-shirts and he's gonna be wearing them all all the time right it's like when i came to london a couple years ago one full suitcase was nothing but food and candy and just junk it was and it was my large suitcase i packed two weeks worth of clothes into a tiny carry-on suitcase including my suit hey and despite all of my telling you to do it you still did not bring them orange cinnamon rolls so we got to figure that out this year well no that's before yeah we can do that yeah (laughs) see see how we just gave i've I've proven that you can make it to england i've proven you can make it to england with refrigerated biscuits that don't pop or go bad that's right i've done it and dan enjoyed it (laughs) so uh moving on here real quick oh sorry sonic's new look have you seen it it's better i would it looks more like sonic it's not terrifying that helps yeah it's it's sonic now 
I think people have lost yeah, their I, their desire for it. Are we are we all supposed to say yay? Because like it doesn't seem like that should have been that hard. <laughs> like, why didn't you I do mean, this from I'm the glad. first place? Like congratulations, <laughs> it now looks like it should have. <laughs> yay! You're not stupid. Uh, but I, <laughs> that doesn't give me a lot of hope for the rest of the film. Honestly, <laughs> I'll still take my kids to see it. Yeah. I mean, Jim Carrey's yeah. in it, so I think he's going to carry he might that be movie. Good. <laughs> yeah, get it, yeah. get it, yeah. get it. No, uh, uh, get it. That was pun. That was punny. Ah. <laughs> I wonder if Dan gets it. Ask him. Message him now. Yeah. I mean, I, <laughs> Just send a message saying, get it done. I'm going to. <laughs> My favorite part of that whole Sonic debate was that within seconds of that trailer came out, there was like six million deviant art guys that came out and like, do you not understand? This is all you have to do and made like three Photoshop edits and it was a thousand oh, times yeah. better. I don't understand how you hired somebody to design Sonic who had never fucking seen him before. <laughs> yeah. This strikes Which, me of like the original Mega Man cover uh, art. Well, we didn't let him play the game, so he's just this dude with a gun and big pants. Like I just, just I was look blown happy away. This guy does way too many squats, and he's somehow able not he's somehow not able to engage his ass when he does his squats. So just his thighs get large. Oh, Dan's replied. This is this is. He said probably not. <laughs> this strikes me as like when I go to the doctor and I tell him I have a sore ankle. He's like, uh huh, uh huh. That's gonna hurt. You should take a lot of aspirin now. Like how none of your education was applied to my doctor, diagnosis. Doctor, <laughs> it hurts when I do this. Well, don't do that. Well, that just sucks. Now you're getting older. Sport, you know. Like, great, thanks. I'm so glad I paid a copay for this. <laughs> Can I at least get some Vicodin on the way out? <laughs> yeah. No, that's not a problem. Yeah, here you go. Here's a prescription for five years worth. They'll fill it all at once if you want. Here's a hundred milligram Vicodin. Hope you can remember your name. Tomorrow. <laughs> no, thanks. I'm good. I had, speaking of painkillers, I had painkillers with my hip surgery and they do not sit well with me. So I can confidently say that I would probably never get hooked on them. Are they made of Mr. Pibb? <laughs> yes, it was just... <laughs> Mr. Pibb and Curly Whirlies. <laughs> I feel like that's come up a lot in the last couple shows since I was here, and I'd like to stress once again, Eric did not warn me about the Mr. Pibb blowing up in my face, literally. What he said was, oh, you know, Mr. Pibb doesn't agree with me. I'll have a large. <laughs> <laughs> it tastes so good. <laughs> and then the white room was beige. You know, it was like our room looked like the inside of a cigarette filter after we, you know what the problem was, was, (laughs) you know what the problem was going back to that story. Uh, they gave us our drinks and then proceeded to have the toothless wonder make all of our food that took like another 10 or 15 minutes. So we're sitting there and I'm starting the, 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 the clock on the explosion (laughs) at the first sip. Like, "Mm, here we go. And we're just sitting there waiting for our food. And, Oh, you could hear you could hear it too. It was like the Willy Wonka machine that made the everlasting gobs. Oh, Jesus, he's rolling up a window. What the hell's going on here? Because that's the best thing. You keep your window up and then they have to put their window yeah. down so it all gets sucked past them. Although I think that that did, it was like the fallout from it. That's what made Redneck Rondo have only one tooth. Is just that fell out. Eric rolled up his window. Mine was down and I blasted all the air conditioning at her. So the stench just flowed into her soul. <laughs> all her teeth fell I out. I love Mr. Pip. <laughs> <laughs> it's 
Too bad we can't find it down here. <laughs> so can I ask a question? I'm sorry. I got to go back to the games we played segment. Cause, and Mike, if you have already talked about this, forgive me. And I'm sorry. I may have missed it. Did you play the new Ghostbusters game? Yes. Yeah. Finished it. How was that? Uh, How was it? If you, it was basically in terms of the actual remaster, like I got it on switch, so I didn't get it. Like it didn't look any like that much better to be honest i mean i i, I didn't play oh, okay. it. i played okay. it portably uh for the most part i did dock it didn't look any worse um when i was when it was docked um i've, I've seen the 4k versions on youtube and stuff like it, it looks all right you know it's, it's fine but in terms of the actual game if you played the original or you are basically i'll give you the review of my game from when it was out the first time if you are a fan of ghostbusters like this is it's just pure fan service the entire thing so okay. uh, it's just right. a fantastic experience. It, and I, it, it's a serviceable game. I always have fun with it. But if you are a fan of Ghostbusters, like it, it's very clear that the people who made it have a lot of love for the franchise. Uh, there's so many little Easter eggs and nods to the films and, and everything like that. Um, the remaster still has some of the problems that the original had, like most notably the lip sync of the audio is just fucking way off like really really way off and it was in the original as well and i thought they would have fixed it um there's a random like complete difficulty spike just before the final boss which doesn't seem to have been addressed either um it's loading screens still seem quite long as well um but they've they've got rid of something that was annoying on the original because whenever you died on the original you'd have this like i'm not even exaggerating sort of 20 maybe 30 second loading screen and it would do the Ghostbusters theme the entire, uh. like, every single time. So every single time you died, you'd sit there and listen to the Ghostbusters theme for 20 to 30 seconds. Luckily, they no. ditched that. So <laughs> that's a benefit. Um, not as long as I remember. I think I finished it about 8 to 10 hours. But okay. for the price they're charging for it, I mean, I picked up on Switch for twenty three ninety nine. I think it was. And I think on Xbox and PlayStation, it was only 20 quid brand new. Okay, but yeah, I was curious because I knew it. I knew it came out. I knew you were a fan of Ghostbusters, mm-hmm. so like I was waiting on a show for you to talk about it. Like I got ear, I got like you know ear stoppers and everything because I was very forced <laughs> to be loud and proud. And hey, I I'm a changed man it, with so. this new recording equipment. I can hear myself. That's true. That's true. <laughs> but no, I, it, I didn't know if it was going to be like me in Metal Gear Five, where I just came out of it like, God damn it! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> did, did you play the original? Like uh, I did, history. and yeah. I thought it was good. Yeah, yeah. It's, I, if you liked the original and you want to revisit it, it's a it's a great way to revisit it, and it's it's cheap as well. So, um, I did because it's technically eligible for the show because it came out two thousand nine. You had it on I the list for it, next year. Yeah, I put it on the list for next yeah. year for Halloween. But I know that part of our feedback was some people weren't quite happy with doing such such modern games, like you know, on the literally on the bridge of the ten years. So yeah. we might I might change it. So. It's t- okay, guys. Look, I'm the oldest one here, and I'm gonna tell you. And for the whole audience, as you get older, time moves faster. Oh fuck yeah, it <laughs> and does. You can't you cannot just go? Well, that doesn't seem old. It's fucking old now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but also, like I was looking, like The Last of Us is gonna be ten years old in just a handful of years, and that seems like yesterday. So you know, I, I think you guys have a good mechanism for which to say what's. So, you know, what's eligible and what's he, not. That's just my two cents. I'm sorry if I've offended any listener. Grammar Zach, it's funny. You're welcome to hate me as well. <laughs> it's, it's, only me he dislikes. it's funny that you mentioned that because there was a really cool website. This has nothing to do with gaming in the least, but there's a really cool website that gives you a solid visual representation of why time flies. And um, it I posted a link to it for you guys there. It's called Why Time Flies by Maximilian Kiner. 
And as you mm-hmm. scroll down, it gives you this perception of, okay, well, one year when you're a year old seems to take forever because that's your whole life. But as you get older, a year is less time in your life that you have to perceive it against. A day is obviously even shorter than that. So I'm even noticing now in my 30s, like days just blink by. They just go. Weeks, like oh, I can yeah. still like, okay, Monday to Friday. Like, yeah, it's still, it, it's a week. But still you get to Friday, like fucking hell, where'd the week go? And it's it's not that you're busy. It's just that your perception of time is so drastically different. And talking to my grandpa about it too, he's like, yeah, for me, five years blink gone. It's like, because yeah. you're 90. But as you, like, you, all you do on this website is you just scroll your mouse and it has this bar that goes along the bottom and it shows you, okay, this is your whole life. This is one year. Then it adds the second and then so on and so forth. But as you're doing that, it gives you a representation of, uh, or it gives you a little insight as to the theory and why it's appearing this way. And, you know, when you're one year old, or two years old, a year is 50% of your life, and so on. Um, it's just a really neat little thing to yeah. scroll through to give you some perception. Hmm, yeah, I mean, and I, I, I happen to agree with that that whole concept, because I, again, every time we talk about, like when we were talking about Eternal Darkness on the last show, I was like, that didn't seem like it came out that long ago. Hmm. But yeah, it's 15 years old. So, you know, you, you have to step back and, and always say, like, just because it doesn't seem like a long time to you doesn't mean that it's not retro. doesn't mean that it's not, I'm not going to call it vintage, but definitely retro games. Well, as fast as we move with games today have to be in the five to 10 year. Bracket. Look at the look interesting at, thing is anyway, like going back to saying, you know, I cut off is 10 years. Um, the PS, funnily enough, the PS3 and Xbox 360 games, especially some of the earlier ones, they don't look as good as you remember. Like there is no, a massive difference. Everyone no. says, "Oh yeah, there's not that much difference between PS3 and PS4." Oh, there is. Yeah. Oh, Poor trust shit. me. Yeah. <laughs> I played. Uh, what did I play this year? Spec Ops: The Line, uh, which was fairly early on PS3. That thing looks like shit on there. <laughs> Great game, but it looks like Some, shit on PS3. <laughs> somebody said to me once, and it's totally true that like games from your youth always look better, not because they look better, but because your imagination had to fill in a lot of the gaps, right? you and your brain had to process what things meant, especially, I mean, and I think that's absolutely true when you talk about original polygonal games, um, because it looks so rough. I mean, you think about the original Tomb Raider and I can remember everybody in that generation talking to you like, Oh yeah, Laura's got booby shot, but you know, that's stupid shit. Mm-hmm. But like, if you look at the character model for Laura, it's ridiculous looking. Yeah. It looks like two triangles on top of two rectangles with a sphere for mm-hmm. her head. And like, but it's your imagination that kind of fills in those gaps. And yeah, we're sort of losing that, but I would much rather the route where like I can actually tangibly recognize things from just how they appear in games. Well, I think it's important too to bring all that up again every so often within the show is why we have that 10 year mark. And you hit it right on the head with that. If you look at where we were when we first started this show back in 2012, um, we at the show's current state, we are as far from the launch of the PS3 as we were from the launch of the PS2 when the show started. Yeah. You know, so we were at the tail end of the PS1 N64 era for our 10-year mark-ish. Well, no, we were right at the beginning of PS2, so right at the tail end of those other two. But yeah, we're, correlation-wise, you know, when we first started the show, people were like, yeah, PS1 is great. Okay, well, we're 10 years, almost 10 years further down the road. PS3 is that same distance. Mm. Yep. Interesting question yeah, I mean, for you, Eric. You said you'd never play The Last of Us again, but in several years' time when it's eligible for the show, would would you play it for the show? No! 
<laughs> no, but like if 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 we were requested to do it or one of us put it on our list, I'm I'm not saying we're going to, but like would would you still go? Nah, I don't want to play it. I don't know. Depends. I think maybe the reason I don't want to play it right now is because I know there's that sequel coming out, and I just want to continue mm-hmm. the story. Once I know they're definitively yeah. done with the franchise, maybe. Mm. I always think like you'd want to have like a psychologist on that show with you because The Last of Us is it's a great game. Don't get me wrong. But there's nothing earth shattering about it. It's the story that sort of um, well, there's a takes you out of your comfort zone. I, I can't remember so the I name of the book, but it'd be interesting to have different types of people in there. It's the investment in the characters, really, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. There was a but great game. There was a, but I happen to agree. Like, I think me playing that is somebody without kids versus me playing it with kids makes it a totally different game. I think there was a book called The World Without Us that. Um, Neil Druckerman referenced this book a lot because it talks about what would happen if humanity and civilization just disappeared. How quickly would the world take over again? And yeah. it goes into extreme depth about like it really wouldn't take that long for just like look what happens when a house isn't lived in, how quickly weeds sprout up and plants take over and all that. It'd be neat to have somebody on to talk about that too. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I and again, like I, I always look at stuff like that, say that games have a different impact depending on where you are in your life. Like, you know, Celeste had a huge impact on you. Would it have mm-hmm. had the same impact 10 years ago? Would it have the same impact 10 years from now? I mm-hmm. mean, and, and those sort of beg questions, but I think that looking at games from 10 years in our past is absolutely a wonderful way to understand the, uh, not only how the game is physically built and how that game was received by the public because you know eternal darkness is one of those it's one of my favorite games um and it's definitely not a game that i could pick up and play easily today because it just doesn't make any sense anymore well i think um, to add on at to its that. time go ahead sorry oh go ahead oh no, no no i was just gonna finish up and say that you know but i think that it doesn't take away from that experience that i had when it when i first played it because, you know, it was my first real house. I had had my first real 5.1. Like, I think it was a uh, Dolby digital surround sound setup. Mm-hmm. And I can remember specifically the first moment that I knew that game had me was one of the wall knocking sequences. Mm-hmm. And I got up and answered my door in the middle of the night. <laughs> and I was fucking creeped out yeah. because I recognized that the game made me do it. Yeah. I was like, shit, yeah. you know, Mike, you had that experience with thinking the controller and that's probably yeah. not as dramatic as it was for me. You know, I was standing with my door open in the middle of the night looking out into the street going, oh, shit, the game got me. <laughs> See, and that right but, there is the, know, the the point that I want to stress is that I think the 10 the ten year mark, especially now, is so important because 10 years ago we were, well, I was in my early 20s. Mike was in his early 20s. We were playing games that we could actually cognitively perceive at that time and we're going to have stronger memories of those games if we start diving back into nes and super nintendo yeah those are by all accounts retro games we're going to be looking at it through a lens of modern eyes instead of okay this is what i perceived this game to be when we played it versus how it is now and i think that lends itself to a better show well, I said this yeah. about Eternal Darkness. I, I, I said if I had played this when it came out, when, you know, I, I was always big on the Resident Evil series. Resident Evil series is, is one of my favorite series of all time. And if I played Eternal Darkness when it came out at the time I was, you know, my feelings towards the Resident Evil series at the time, I would have fucking loved Eternal Darkness at the time. Yeah, I agree. And then we played it for the show and looked back at it and I kind of went, eh, you know. 
Well, and see, and I'll use that example and say, I still love it because I'm a big fan of H.P. Lovecraft. Not the racism so much, but the cosmic horror. Um, <laughs> Thanks for clarifying. Um, but, you know, you guys mentioned it um, on the show is where you got to the end of that game um, and you kind of felt like, well, every ending's the bad ending. Welcome to H.P. Lovecraft. Yeah. <laughs> where the whole point of cosmic horror is to show that humanity is insignificant compared to to the old gods that really drive the universe. I mean, in the HP Lovecraft lore, and this is just a, one tiny example, and then I'll shut up about it. Um, but, you know, the whole universe, all of reality is a dream by its greatest entity, which is Azathoth. There's a whole bunch of like lesser entities like Cthulhu and all those guys that make sure that he is surrounded by people playing music at him all the time. Because if Azathoth was to ever wake up, his dream would end and reality would cease. So again, cosmic horror is about the insignificance of man. And so, I got to the end of that game and I went like, fuck yeah, this game's about <laughs> the insignificance of our choices and you know how we're so, really just So sort what you're of, saying is Azeroth is the windfish. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean Azathoth is based on the windfish. Or the windfish is based on Azathoth and some of the stuff from Twin Peaks, which is very Lovecrafty. And if we could go into that another whole show. <laughs> Another one of my favorite games. Now you know why. <laughs> um just going back a sec, uh, you saying about the um you were so into eternal darkness that you uh you know you thought the knocking was at your own door and and everything yeah uh reminded me this is completely off subject but it just reminded me of um the first time i ever played silent hill yeah. um, and i was playing i was playing yeah. it in the, i was playing it in the dark by myself in my bedroom curtain shut and everything and i was that invested in it. i was just playing on a standard tv like you know nothing no kind of sound quality or anything like that but i remember being so invested and so um, you know, unnerved by that feeling of terror that the original Silent Hill gives you. I remember the first time the, there's the air raid sirens, like yep. as you're kind of as you're kind of walking around the school when it changes. I literally thought for, for this is how into it I was. I thought the air raid sirens were actually outside. I was like, what the fuck is going on? Why is there air raid sirens uh, all of a sudden? <laughs> That's how invested I was in that. Well, so those moments of video games, man, you can't you just can't replicate them. <laughs> We'll talk about a cultural explosion, too, and, and how sort of pop culture affects things. Because, like, have you ever been out on a foggy day where somebody didn't say, oh, it looks like Silent Hill? Yeah. yeah. Like, that has sort of permeated the the sort of underlying way that we think about fog and, you know, the sort of dystopian wreck that is hell and all that. But I, I absolutely agree that there are games like and I'm, I'm one of those that I will tell you that I don't play VR games when I'm alone at home, like in the middle of the night. That's where I draw the line, because I recognize if I've got my headphones on, and I've got my VR helmet on. I'm alone in a room and I have fucking no idea what's going on around me. Yeah. yeah. And like, especially horror games in the middle of the night. Nope. Don't need that in my life. You know? <laughs> I'll play Beat Saber, but I'm not playing that shit. <laughs> Oh yeah, sorry. Tangent done. <laughs> Should we talk about some recent releases? Because I want to talk about Nintendo's new controller. Yeah, go on. I'm interested in your thoughts on this, actually. So I picked up Ring Fit Adventure for the Switch, which... I can see the little bucks in the background there. Yeah. Oh, nice. uh, what a game. And I'm reluctant to really call it a game. It's, it, is a, it is an exercise machine. And it is kicking my ass. Um, I've heard that. It's nothing to go into lightly because you will absolutely get your butt kicked. Does it substitute going to the gym? I mean, no. But there's a lot of people that are really into like, you know what? I'm just going to maintain exercise at home. I'll do static exercises. You know, I'll watch jazzercise videos or whatever the hell. But this is such a unique blend of gaming and 
exercise that Christy and I both genuinely look forward to playing it each night. So what it is, it's a very bare bones, stripped down RPG hidden within an exercise game. So the premise is really kind of stupid. There's this big muscular beefcake dragon that has stolen these five power essences from this character whose name is Ring. And he is a ring that you hold on to. So you go through each of these different levels and it's it's kind of like a like Final Fantasy. Are you sure he's not a coin? Uh, no, he is definitely a ring. <laughs> but he could. No, maybe he's named Halo. Could be. I'm gonna start calling them coin ring coin adventures, um, or coin ring coin, coin, fit, coin, coin fit. fit. There we go. There adventure. we go. I got it. Uh, <laughs> it's like Final Fantasy Mystic Quest. Top down. You choose which level you want to pop into, and you know there's no open world or anything like that. But you get into a world, and it is completely linear. To move, you have to run in place, and you're you're holding the ring in front of you, and it as you move it around, it manipulates what your character is is doing. Uh, when you squeeze it together. Uh, you create little puffs of blast to attack boxes to get coins. If there's stuff off on the side, you can pull it apart and use it like a vacuum. If you point it at the ground, you can hit a puff of uh, of air to shoot yourself up into the air to collect stuff above you. But the neat thing is that this isn't just any plastic ring. Like This is a full-on Pilates ring. And at the beginning, when it helps calibrate your difficulty, it's like, all right, squeeze in on this as hard as you can. Like, I had to really press in to get it to register 100%. Christy could only get it to 63%, and she did it like four different times. Like, come on, you can squeeze harder than that. 63% is as hard as she could get it, and it adjusts your difficulty from there. So the first two worlds, it's just getting you acclimated to the game. When you go into combat, uh, you have six different maneuvers or six different exercises that you can um, that you can choose from, and they're basically your different attack skills. So it the one thing I will say, and uh, I'll explain this later, is that the first two worlds are very tedious in that you only have six exercises to choose from, and they get very worn out. It's like, I really wish I had some more. And I read that going into this. Like, don't be discouraged because once you get past the first two worlds, things really blow open and you start collecting more exercises. So you have your squat. You have the, um, it's a stupid yoga chair pose. You have you sit on the floor and you do knee to chest. You have an overhead press, and then uh, I can't think of the other ones that you have. But anyway, it plays out very much like a basic RPG combat where you choose what you want to do. You attack. You can choose which person you want to attack, and then when it's the enemy's turn to attack, you take this Pilates ring and you squeeze it into your stomach, and they call it ab guard. And depending on how hard you're squeezing it, you get yourself a bigger, better shield to. Um, protect yourself because when you get hit you lose hearts and if you lose all your hearts you have to start the level over and through the course of the first two worlds they just introduce you to new mechanics about navigating the world and then doing different uh, bits of combat so once you hit the third world is when things really open up and they introduce a color coding system where each of the exercises is color coded so red is for upper body and arms and then i think yellow is for core and Blue is for like turquoise's yoga or something like that. And the enemies that pop up are color coded. So if you want to attack an enemy and cause more damage, use one that is that use an exercise that's that same color. And some of them attack all the enemies, some only attack one. So it's really neat for Christy to be going through this, someone who doesn't play RPGs, to start to understand the mechanics of how do you plan out a battle? Because when you get to one of the boss battles, it's very clear if you don't attack in a very certain pattern, you are going to die. 
And she did like, okay, do you want me to help walk you through this? So I helped show her and she's like, okay, this now makes a lot more sense. Do as many attacks as you can that cause multiple damage and then dial it back to your individual ones. But the game itself is it's it's really neat. Um, it, it's a ton of fun and it's it will absolutely kick your ass. Christy and I, after the first couple of days, woke up we're like, are you sore? Yeah, I am dying. And uh, anybody who hates going to the gym and wants to work out but also have fun doing it, it's it's a really cool little game. My wife is super interested in it and I am having a hard time finding one. Apparently they're selling out like across Atlanta. They have like, you know, little websites with lists of who's getting one and who's not. Yeah. So wow. yeah, I'm looking forward to picking one up. You know, it's like in the UK, the tracking on it isn't the best. And I, I think this might be due to a defective joy con. So my right joy con goes into the ring and as you're running in place, the the ring on the screen would lose calibration and sometimes you'd be pointing up at the sky. I'm like, I'm clearly holding this forward. So you'd have to stop and you'd have to hold it steady at the facing down and then it would recalibrate to pop up. So it kind of breaks the immersion on that a little bit. But the one that goes onto your leg is super accurate in that you know they give you little tips on exercises. So if you're doing something improperly, it can tell you it it, it tells you that you're doing it with poor form. If you're not squatting low enough, hey, you need to go a little bit lower because it's tracking it based off that one that's strapped to your leg. And better form equals more power. More power equals you don't have to continue fighting. And you can up your difficulty level. So if you really want to push yourself, I think I have myself on on the second to hardest level or or something. Um, but every time you pop in, it's like, hey, do you want to make this harder? Like, no, thanks. It's already hard enough. <laughs> uh, it must be an American thing, Zach, because... Amazon have them here in quite a few stores. I've heard I've heard yeah. from my friends elsewhere. Atlanta is one of those weird city hubs where when uh, when something goes nuts, it goes nuts everywhere. And after a month, like it'll be everywhere. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it's funny. I heard Eric. I heard you say all that. But I was reading into the subtext of, hey, Target, get ready for Eric to go buy a set of Joy-Cons that are going to get returned immediately. <laughs> no, actually not. The, <laughs> the 25th. No, not the 20th. Oh, it's when does uh, Luigi's Mansion come out? 31st? Halloween. Halloween, yeah. Yeah. Actually, you know what? I think those green Joy-Cons are out today. Woo! Get them there. Nice. Yeah, those are um, really If you get those, I am Sweet. very jelly. But they, no, it's, it's interesting to hear uh, your thoughts on Ring Fit Adventure because... I've been I've been on a bit of a health kick recently. I've been trying to like shed some weight and, and just generally a bit healthier. Going out and getting plastered last night didn't help, but... Um, <laughs> <laughs> the uh, I am very hungover today. Um... But it's interesting because I always thought, not that I ever really, I never really properly tried uh, Wii Fit, but I think in terms of the integration of trying to mix the video game side with the fitness side, it, looking at it, it never had anything that would keep me going back. I mean, I'm generally a, a kind of gamer who I prefer sort of single player, you know, story driven adventures because I progress through the story. I'm, I'm, I'm very rarely someone who just goes in and kind of dicks around on a game, you know, for a few hours with, with no, uh, no kind of agenda or anything like that. So something like this where you can mix the fitness in and there's like an actual goal in the game, like not necessarily storyline wise, there is but a you're, story you're achieving to achieving stuff. Yeah. Okay. Well, there is. Oh, great. Yeah. But you're actually achieving stuff in there. It'd be something that would possibly keep me coming back for more. And you know, I I work a lot of hours. There's there's some days where I should be going to the gym, and I go, "Fuck it, it's too late. I'm going home." If there was something like this at home to to maybe you know, even if I just do 20 minutes on it. I mean, I was doing it with Beat Saber for a little while, where sometimes like yeah. you know, it was a bit late, kind of go to the gym, so I'd, I'd 
do like half hour of, you know, some quite intense Beat Saber, but something like this would be quite interesting because you can then, rather than just sort of doing the almost cardio side of Beat Saber, you've actually got the, the the physical parts of your body that you're working on. Like, you know, you said about the ab guard, if you're pushing that against your abs and you're tensing up, you are going to be working your abs doing that. And your specific yoga poses and stuff, they're going to target specific parts of the body. Yeah, they have a great variety of exercises too. So you can tell a lot of thought went into this because they're not like, eh, we're just going to throw random colored enemies in there. So as you're progressing through, there's really only two or three battles per level because you get tired and it keeps a little clock in the bottom left and the clock only ticks up as your body is moving. And they point that out quite frequently. Like, this is not how long you've been playing. This is how long your body has physically been moving. And which is great because you say, okay, I want to work out for half an hour. And a lot of people be like, oh, half an hour is up. But if you look at how much you've really actually been moving or exercising, it's maybe 60% of that time. So it forces you to keep playing until you've hit that 30 minutes of actual workout time. And the, the, some of the later battles that they put together, they have a really good mix of, okay, you have to do a bunch of leg exercises for this enemy. And now we're going to switch it up and do core exercises. And it's built to kind of have a, an underlying workout routine within it. Um, but they also put in, like I said, some of those RPG elements where you can go to a store and you can buy different outfits that change your attack skills and you have smoothies that you can buy that restore your health. But also within there, you can go in and you can see the physical recipe for these smoothies. So if you really want to dig into the meat of the game, there's a lot there to offer. My only concern with it would be longevity because I... I've just said my appeal to this would be, okay, I've got stories to play through where I'm, ex- where I'm exercising and, and everything like that, but what happens once I finish the story? They have mini games. Am I going to keep going back? Yeah, they have okay. mini games. They have um, single play mode. I haven't delved too much into that because I, I want to save my energy for actually getting through the story aspect of it, but I can't speak to the longevity of it, but right now it's it's kind of getting us both back into it. We've both definitely seen results from it, Oh, that's awesome. You know, I've that's great. I, I've noticed that I can do squats for longer because I've I, I had to I used to have to do a lot of squats for my hip surgery and I've kind of died off from that. And I used to be really strong at them and be able to do like 30 of them at a time. Now it's to the point it's like, okay, after 10, I'm dying here. But what's really cool, mm-hmm. I did I forgot to mention this, is is when you select an attack. It gives you a counter of how many you need to do. So squats, if you do, if you attack an enemy with a squat, you're doing 23 squats, depending on your difficulty level. And the first half is always at a really slow pace. And then after that, it's like, all right, push yourself and you have to go really fast with them. So it helps kind of do that mm. intensity training as well. Interesting. I might actually discuss this with Hazel because I, I think she might be on board with this. Christy loves it. Well, you know, we always mm. we always argue about who's going to go first for one night because you know, <laughs> I want to be the one to experience that first, and um, she always goes first anyway. So <laughs> yeah, it's it's super cool. Anybody who's kind of on the fence about it, I say take the dive. As far as Nintendo goes, it's weird, but it, it works. It definitely works. It's sixty four ninety nine over here. I've just looked. It's not cheap. That's not a bad price. It is definitely. Well, I don't not think cheap. that's a bad price. If if the if the ring is as robust as you're saying, it is. And you you know you're saying the piece, you know the software is going to be like what thirty forty quid. So you're only really paying you know the other thing that's that's cool about the control Pilates ring. Yeah. 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 The other thing that's yeah. really cool about it's it too bad. is you can set it to offline mode where you can put your Joy-Con into it and you can click in on the joystick even when the switch is off and it'll activate 
the sensor for it and start recording data. So you can do each day up to 500 individual presses on this Pilates ring. And then as soon as you connect that controller back to the switch, it'll download that data and put it towards your workout. Oh, wow. Interesting. Yeah, I think, you know, anything that Nintendo does should come with a subtitle. It's weird, but it works. Except except um, Lavo. <laughs> except for Lavo. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm always interested in stuff that sort of promotes different styles of play. And, you know, if I get some exercise out of it, I think that's even better. Yeah. So I wonder if they'll I'll, try and integrate into out. some of the games or hopefully they're going to support the controller in terms of like more games based around the fitness. But I wonder if they'll, you know how like they've integrated like the Labo into like Mario Kart and stuff like that. It'd be interesting to see if they can mix the ring into like as an optional controller on some games. Yeah, it's it's interesting. Um, I'm really enjoying it so far. We we play it every night. I think there's one night that we've missed and we can really only get through one, maybe two worlds in a night. And, and the first the first I'm sorry, not world levels and each each world has like five or six levels within it. So there's definitely some longevity in there. And there's a five, total of five worlds. Wow. But well, at least it's got some legs to it. Yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah. I, I want to see the combat rings where it's two player and you just beat the shitty out of each other with a Pilates ring. I think that sounds like <laughs> the enemies in there too are really uniquely named. They're they're all puns on workout stuff. You know, you'll have a, a kettleball type enemy, uh, different sizes, and they look like rabbits with the big ears that fold over the top, so they look like a kettleball. Uh, it's kind of neat stuff. So, two other big games came out this week. These are big ones. Yeah. Which one should we talk about first? Let's talk about Outer Worlds. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to spend too much time on it because I'm not far enough into it to really have an opinion one way or the other. But And I've not played it yet. I didn't get a chance. Yeah, I'm about two hours into it. I'd, I'd say I'm about but I like four. It. But man, what a fucking good game. Yeah. I have been. It feels, it feels like New Vegas in space. But with that true obsidian undertone of like... Okay, these are going to be some good characters. You're going to have a lot of uh, conversations. There's going to be a lot of text choices, but they will have an effect on what happens. Yeah. Well, and I think, too, I mean, I got a lot of the two hours. I spent easily an hour just laughing my tits off at the fucking character creator, because if you hit randomize, there are some amazing character creations that can come out of this game. (laughs) I made the hunkiest idiot i possibly could the dude is just ripped to the nines but dumber than a bag of hammers and if you if you drop your intelligence all the way to zero it unlocks the dumb conversation skills and i choose those every time they pop up and it's so funny because it physically changes the tone of the conversation so just just to give a little background on the game the game is basically fallout in space um and it's got the whole sort of 50s version of the future aesthetic to it. Again, I'm not too far into it, but what I've seen so far definitely carries through that sort of obsidian level of humor. Lots of pokes at sort of modern capitalism. Um, Spacer's choice. Oh God, it's so good. Yeah, Spacer's choice. You've tried the best. Um, now try the rest. And unlike Fallout, I would say the thing that I like most about it is that it is absolutely 100% um actual first person shooting combat no more vat system you can slow down time 
but it's a lot more combat oriented. So it feels more like game in between game rather than just a kind of straight role playing game. It feels a lot more like a first person shooter. Well, my complaint with um, and it's really good. My complaint with the Fallout games is that they always felt like they felt like they were trying to be Elder Scrolls games, but the worlds didn't feel lived in. And I get the irony in that because you're in this post-apocalyptic world that shouldn't feel lived in. But those games took it to a whole new level of like, there's just fucking nothing here. And I remember being bored (laughs) to tears with the Fallout games because like you can really only wander around a desert wasteland so much before you get bored. But the second you drop into Halcyon, it's just glowing with life. Yeah, and I think, again, I, I'm not far enough into it, but what is... I'm playing it on Xbox One X. I do, as I... For those of you watching this on video, um, I did buy it for the PlayStation 4, um, but I'm playing it on One X through Game Pass. The world design is phenomenal. Um, it's way beyond what even Fallout 4 did Yeah. Um, in terms of just creating a living world where there's stuff running around, there's birds, there's kind of trees flowing around. There's people um, everywhere. And it's, yeah, and it doesn't feel like nobody's... It's not like a Fallout game where everybody's just downtrodden. Everybody that I've talked to so far has been kind of upbeat. And I mean, there's stuff going on, but, but it's it's just excellent. You can tell that they're well, upbeat because they have to be. Like, it's a government requirement yeah, to be happy. Yeah. <laughs> it's interesting that you mentioned, uh, you know, that it feels so full of life. It in some way cuz cuz you know Eric gave the the comparisons to obviously Fallout and and Elder Scrolls and things like that but it's interesting that you know because of the the basis of because of the themes of the game and where it's based and everything like that it 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 give it gives them the opportunity to put more life in cuz you think Fallout like you've said it's nuclear wasteland a lot of it is abandoned so it's not going to have a lot of life things like Elder Scrolls you know it's based in old timey kind of medieval times where you know there just isn't as many people mm-hmm. and the settlements are small and yeah. you know you go through a lot of countryside and and forests and things like that that aren't occupied uh, occupied with like you know loads of human life anyway so the themes and the the basis of this game you know lends itself to having much more life you know it's it's out in space you know <laughs> you could argue that maybe there's too many people on earth so as they've started branching out to space you know there is a lot of life yeah and the character the every character you come across is so unique and the game kicks off immediately with comedy because the the story is that you are a civilian well there's this planet called Halcyon that is run by Spacer's Choice, and it's 100% capitalism. Literally everything is owned by Spacer's Choice. If you decide to move there, you are a product of Spacer's Choice. They own everything about you from uh, your the, the, the valuable minerals within your blood all the way to every piece of product that you ever produce or own. They own it. Everything Google aspires to be. Literally everything. Yeah. <laughs> but you were on this ship of... A few thousand people that got lost at space called the hope and instead of only being cryogenically frozen for 10 years it ended up being 70 or 80 years or something like that and then suddenly you are reanimated by this guy that looks like uh i'm gonna mess this up is it rick from rick and morty he does or is it morty yeah. I, I don't watch the show, so I don't know the reference. Rick is the scientist. Yeah, okay, the so kid. he looks like that. He kind of acts a little bit like it, but you know, he wants to reanimate you, send you down to help get the, his ship fixed so he can jump away with the hope and do whatever. But the first, the, you get into this escape pod and you're plunged down to the planet 
and you're supposed to meet this guy that the scientist tells you, hey, meet my contact down there. He'll take you to where you need to be. You land, you get out, and as soon as you get out, you see this bloody mess under you. And the guy comes on the radio and goes, God damn it, I told him to hold up the beacon or to set the beacon and then walk away. And he clearly didn't do that. So you just land on this guy's <laughs> uh, on your contact. So that's how the game begins is with a stupid joke like that. Like, well, okay, I need to do all of this shit now because my fucking contact was an idiot and didn't get out of the way of my escape pod landing. And every conversation like I usually don't go through literally every conversation option for a game but I've been doing it for this game because it's just so well written the characters are so engaging even the ship yeah because you find that guy's ship and it talks shit to you the whole time oh my god because it thinks it thinks that because you're on the ship you're the guy that got squished yes and then it basically says like so I can only take orders from him so can you lie to me and tell me you're him you know (laughs) It's genuinely funny, though. Yeah. Unlike that joke, sorry. Um, but it's so it's the, just, uh, the, the dumb. It's well written. The dumb options are hilarious, and I, I will say, go that route if you can, because there's one one mission. Like there's marauders out there that are basically the bad guys, and they'll occasionally pop into town. And you walk in, and you have to correct, collect gravesite fees. So you have to pay for your own grave even after death. So if you uh, if you die the next closest living relative has to pay your gravesite fees. If you don't have any, well, technically your neighbor is your next closest living relative. They look at proximity. So anyway, the grave digger sends you on this mission to collect gravesite fees and you, you walk in and I changed my costume to look like a marauder just because it was the next best armor. And I walk in and this guy goes, Oh my God, I, I thought you were a marauder. And one of the dumb options was, or he's like, Oh my God, marauders. I thought they were in here and there's clearly nobody else in there. And the dumb option was, what where <laughs> like clearly there's nobody else in here but it's me and the guy goes you ain't too smart are you <laughs> no i'm not yeah it's such a fun yeah, game i think i need to i think i need to play like another 20 hours of this to get a real sense of like how big the world is and how much exploration there will be but well, so far even with just two hours and i can tell you i'm sold the combat so great. from what i can tell from uh critics and and online personalizations and reviews and stuff like that uh the actual campaign can be finished in about 20 to 30 hours um, but in terms of the size of the world, apparently you, instead of being one huge world map, you essentially go to different planets and different areas and you get like several smaller maps. Hmm. Excellent. I'm fine with that. I don't Which need anything sprawling. Like it. uh, it's just a neat, yeah. Yeah, I don't, it's a neat game. I don't need half. I don't need Fallout 4 again. Yeah. No. Apparently it, it, it the, the campaign is that short, but apparently it encourages multiple playthroughs. Oh, perfect. From what awesome. I've heard. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. But I really, uh, really, really am enjoying it so far. But my, the, the criticisms I've heard, and I know you guys aren't very far into it yet, but the criticisms I've heard, and I wonder if you guys feel this at all. Um, obviously, Obsidian did uh, New Vegas, and then Fallout 4 has been out since. Uh, let's not talk about Fallout 76, Jesus. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, the, the thing that the criticism that I heard is that for, it, it doesn't seem to have progressed much since New Vegas, especially since the, with the things that Fallout 4 did. It still feels very kind of archaic in some ways, but... But you know what? I'm okay with that because New Vegas was great. You know, I think yeah. I, th- I think New Vegas really nailed a lot of things and this just kind of brings it forward um, into a modern game. But one thing I was reading about is that I thought I was kind of alone in it until somebody posted, I think Brandon Lee posted it in our uh, Facebook group, was that 
The UI is so small. All of the text is so small. Hmm. Especially when you get those notification pop-ups like, okay, boom, here's how you do this. Like, I've got to squint to read it. And apparently it's kind of an issue that there's they're, they're petitioning Obsidian to uh, give us the option to increase the text even more. Yeah. But I don't know that it's like, um, oh gosh, what was the Xbox game that released with microscopic text? Dead Rising. Dead Rising. It's not that bad, yeah. but yeah, I, I do have to squint a little bit, and I have a big TV right in front of me. So A neat little fact that I saw ready. about this game is that one of the designers or developers, producer, was colorblind, and there's no colorblind yeah. option in this game because it's already been developed to accommodate his condition. That's why it has that really weird color combination. Awesome. So for him, it looks completely different. I'm assuming, but it's a it's a neat little world. I think it they really will is. end up patching the the text size, or at least being able to change it, because it um it's compatible with the Xbox. Uh, what's that controller for? Adaptive oh, controller, yep. they call it. Yep. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah the, it's compatible with that. So the fact that it doesn't have the accessibility settings to change the text size size is interesting. So I think they'll patch it. The the yeah. the press is getting online. Yeah. Um, and it's not I bad. It's I don't it. think it's negative press about it. It's just, hey, dude, come on. Like, I wonder how shit like that makes it through QA. How did somebody not say something about that? Oh, that's yeah. because testers sit two inches from a monitor. True. Oh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> they don't. <laughs> they don't. They don't ever have it. Yeah. yeah. Um. And, and same thing happened with Dead Rising. They absolutely openly admitted it. That say, yeah, our entire development team and QA team was sitting in front of monitors. You know. Yeah, for and them it wasn't an issue. Very different to us, <laughs> and that was microscopic. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, "Holy shit! I actually need a magnifying glass for this." <laughs> but yeah, I I very much enjoyed my time with it so far, and I think I'll probably pick that up more so than anything else over the next mm. couple of weeks, and until at least Death Stranding comes out. See, I really, I really want to play lots it. Of time to that, <laughs> but I'm I'm playing Final Fantasy 15 at the moment I don't want to abandon that if anything just download it and dabble it because you have PC Game Pass <laughs> yeah. and you have a PC that you know, on a, what do you have a 1050 it should run it on medium settings it's well I can just play it on my Xbox yeah oh that's right I forgot you have that <laughs> I don't know what I I've already downloaded it I, I, I used the app the other yeah. day to download it at home while I was at work so gotcha um, I've, I've definitely got it downloaded on there yeah give it a dabble it's it's definitely fun I'm, I'm really enjoying it's it it's worth your time I'm really enjoying it yeah I have to be careful, though, because Ellie really wants to watch me play it. And occasionally I'll come across some marauders. I didn't know she was sitting on the stairs watching. She's like, Daddy, I saw you hit that guy's leg off. I'm like, oh, my God, here we go. Because <laughs> I'm just walking around with this giant club just beating people. Uh, not, putting, not drawing on them in like in Streets of Rage, then? No. No, can't. <laughs> not putting them into lakes. That's positive. <laughs> uh, other big game this week. Yeah, what was yeah. the other one? Call of Duty Modern oh, Warfare. Duty. Oh, of course. Yeah. Yes. Wow. Yeah. I I am not a Call of Duty super fan. I, I played them kind of like every third game Same that here. comes out just because I want to see progression. Um, but we started testing it at work and I was blown away by what we tested there. And I'm going to just go ahead and give you my four hours in worth of impressions. It is absolutely the prettiest game, at least on the PlayStation Pro. I agree. It yeah. It is it's doing things that I don't understand how it's doing. What's really important though is to make sure that you optimize your HDR settings for it. I I did a little bit of tinkering yes. because if you just go with the default, it won't look as good. 
typically when it pops up with that little box, like make sure the left logo is just barely visible. I don't even fuck with it because like, well, this is the default setting, whatever. But I actually tinkered with it a little bit. And if you tinker with it and then tinker with your TV settings, dude, it's phenomenal. That game you seriously never like calibrate with those. I don't always do it completely because when I do it, it looks too dark. It looks way too dark. Yeah. Every time. Like, the first thing I always... Even if they don't have one that pops up automatically, every game I play, straight in settings, just double-check, like, brightness and yeah. HDR settings. I do it every time. Like, I've, I paid all that money for, like, the better consoles and for the better TV. Like, I'm going to get the best out of it. <laughs> yeah, I, I have an OLED, and my settings are perfect on my TV, so I don't dick with the settings on my TV. I dick with the settings in the game. Yeah, yeah that's what I mean. doesn't look right, that's what but it's just, you know, screw it game's not optimized well but man i will tell you if you get your settings right call of duty is phenomenal yeah, i think it might actually be the prettiest game on ps4 right now yeah you went for ps4 in the end then, i right? did because you know i understand they have cross play and everything but the one guy i play with the most uh scott girardi he has it on ps4 and it's just easier for group chat and not having to worry about oh hey hop on discord so we can talk but um yeah the the online voice chat it sounds like you're talking through a tin can so just hop into a party my brother-in-law has it on ps4 is just it was just easier and at the end of the day it, there's really no discernible difference unless you were playing on a 1080 super on pc with ray tracing and all of that which i don't have i'm sure that will i'm sure that will look better and it has uh, ultra wide field of vision support oh yeah well and two but PlayStation 4 Pro was actually the lead platform mm-hmm. um, oh, for the development of this. Because it has um, exclusive and, content. Yeah, it does. It has a whole exclusive mode. Um, but it shows. I mean, I, I looked at uh, the stuff they've already put out to compare it to the Xbox One X version. And yeah, there's a resolution increase. But the bottom line is they're both using dynamic resolution to adjust for frame rate. Mm-hmm. Um, and I haven't, at least in the campaign mode, I haven't run into any frame rate mm-hmm. problems outside of um, there's the kind of first main warehouse that you go into and it's full of alpha effects and it's full of lots of fiery explosions and that's going to drag. I don't care if you are using an RTX. It's going to drag you know, it. SLI setup. It's going to drop it. I only had um, one texture issue where the guy, he reaches out to hand you a bottle and it just was like flat textures. And then halfway through that conversation, the textures popped in this is the only issue I ran across, but those cutscenes and how things, what magic they worked to go from CGI yeah. cutscene fluidly into gameplay uh it, it's so cool so the second mission you're flying in on a helicopter and you can tell okay this is a cutscene, and then it flips over into looking at your character and then it just merges into your eyeballs and then you're suddenly playing like it's just a fluid transition that's awesome yeah it's, it's interesting that like a game that's cross-platform because with them being cross-platform games and yearly you know call of duty they're never the games really to be pushing pushing the graphical uh fidelity side of things at all so it's interesting that it's a call of duty game that's doing it it's yeah it's a new engine this year yeah it's the uh, iw engine they're using for Mm -hmm. it and it's the first real game that's been pushed out for it and man i gotta tell you i am less excited about the playstation 5 and xbox scarlet if we can continue getting stuff that looks like this yeah Mm -hmm. like the the scene where you're doing it's sort of a night raid um in a london townhouse Um, and you go into night vision, like it is photorealistic looking. It nice. genuinely looks like you are following someone with like an action I've, cam. I've never really played the Call of Duty games. Just like, as I've said many times on the show before, I've never really been the first, first per- person shooter guy. Playing Halo for the show was really kind of opened that up a little bit for me because I did enjoy playing that. Um, but I, I, I've got 
uh, I think they gave us, was it Black Ops 2 on PS Plus this year? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is it Black Ops 2? Yeah. And they also, I think on PS Plus, I got the original Modern Warfare remake. I've definitely got it. I think it was, I can't remember if it was on Xbox or on PS4, but I got that for free and I'm, I should probably dabble with one of those really and see how I get on. I mean, Call of Duty games and Battlefield games, um, those are sort of the two big players in this space. Mm. Call of Duty is a much faster kill. Um, it's more realistic in terms of like, hey, if you throw three bullets into somebody, they're dead. Mm. Um, and that works in both single player and multiplayer. And it's definitely multiplayer focused. Mm-hmm. I tend to play them for the campaigns and I might dabble a little in multiplayer, but... It just it feels very fluid. It's got to focus on frame rate so everything moves nice and fast. And again, that's always been the case. But the visuals this time around are just jaw dropping. Well, and not only that, but the the one thing that the Call of Duty series has been doing recently that I didn't really like was jumping too far into the future. You know, you had advanced warfare with yeah. you know, it's it's stealing elements from Titanfall where you're you have jetpacks and you're jumping around on the walls. And it just was it was too much. I didn't really enjoy all of that. So I kind of fell away from it. And Modern Warfare kind of brings it back to i don't want to say it's roots because its roots were in world war ii but it brings it back to some of the the roots of the the series pushing the boundaries when modern warfare came out uh, call of duty 4 modern warfare came out it revolutionized first person shooters and multiplayer you know bullet penetration and and online lobbies just all of the stuff that they did set the tone for the next decade of online shooters and this gets back to that but i think what's even more Uh, appealing about this game is the actual in-depth look at what modern war really is like and the atrocities and the horrors i mean this this game is not for the faint of heart it really pushes the boundaries with what is acceptable to show and what isn't i mean there's a scene where you see um dead children yeah. And it it is upsetting. It is very it is. upsetting. I mean, there's a scene where you're you're going through London. You remember that Modern Warfare 2 had that uh, airport scene where you're you're an undercover yeah. agent going through the airport and you can choose to partake in the slaughter of civilians or you cannot. But there's a very early in the game. You are thrown into combat in the middle of Piccadilly Circus in London with suicide bombers and they are just executing civilians i mean you'll walk into a store to try to save these civilians and they have them lined up and they're just walking up shooting them i mean it's it's upsetting some of the stuff that that they're showing but it's like this is what warfare is like these are people you're going to come across and as far as and as i am i can tell you there's a huge focus on the sort of ethics of uh using chemical warfare yeah um and it's definitely you know it's I, I can accept anything as long as it's a conversation starter. Um, yeah. And I think if if you were doing it for the right reason, egregious violence in a game is just like egregious violence in a book. As long as it's for the right reason to start a conversation, to prove a point, I think it's valid because you've got a whole generation of kids playing games um, like Call of Duty, um, like Battlefield, where you're sort of desensitized to the violence. But when you have that moment where it drags you back and makes you really focus, like, Hey, here's a guy who is threatening a child's life unless you like open a door and then you, you know, if you do it, he kills you. And then the other choice is to, you know, not open the door and then he shoots the kid in front of you. Like that is an actual teachable, talkable moment with a kid that plays a game. I am not saying this game is for kids, but Ooh. it's a conversation starter. Um, is that 18 as well? Is it rated? It's rated yeah. 18, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, yeah no, it's just mature. It's not 18 plus. Yeah. 
but it's yeah it's mature i'm sorry it's mature yeah they were there was conversation like should this be adult only because when you go into the campaign it actually brings it up and it's like there is some extremely upsetting stuff in this and i i don't recall any other call of duty or even a battlefield game well that the one with the airport the no russian mission uh right before that mission it said it yeah well, there was a way if you chose in the beginning of the campaign that you didn't want to see anything hyper violent, like it would just not play that mission. It would just talk about it. Got it. But this one definitely tells you every time you start the campaign, like, hey, there is some shit in here. Mm-hmm. Just um, FYI, is it, it is an 18 over here. Interesting. I, I don't yeah. disbelieve it. I mean, because I think you're <laughs> mature, I think you're mature is our 15, isn't it? No, it's 17. It's 17. But in London. Um, and it's a pretty real depiction of just London. Yeah, I walked into Piccadilly seas. Circus like I recognize this. Yeah, so yeah. Tom's flat. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There were pulley sirens everywhere. I was right back home. You know, you know <laughs> Zach, you made an interesting point about you know there there are kids playing this, and I've put a ton of time into the online. And growing up, or in the past ten years, playing Call of Duty, there was always that that uh, joke of like, all right, let's go play with the 13 year olds and have jokes made about our moms. Yep. I'm not coming across kids. And Scott and Derek and I were talking about this last night. It's like, cause all the fucking kids are playing Fortnite. Yeah, that's okay. <laughs> but I, I don't really honestly want my kids playing this. So no. if there's another option for them, I'd be good with it. I but, think mm. any parent who knowingly allows their kid to play this game, mm. at least play through the campaign. Like you're not, you're not doing something Paying right. Attention. Yeah. I can. I mean, you've see- always brought up that story, Eric. You, you, you've said it several times on the show about when you've been working at GameStop and things like that, and you, you have warned people, parents, about Grand Theft Auto. And I've always been really proud of you for that because most people wouldn't fucking care. They just go, "Oh, well, they're clearly buying this for the kid." Here you go. Yeah. Yeah. No, definitely not. This is something that no kid should be playing. I don't think kids. That I. I don't think they have the ability to process and understand what is being talked about like you said zach to start that conversation for them they're just going to see it as egregious violence well and like for me with my kids i do not mind them playing super violent stuff as long as i can have a conversation like my girls um as young as they are i have a seven and nine year old that absolutely adore mortal Kombat. But it's presented in sort of a gory, over-the-top, funny way. Yeah. And when they started playing it, you know, it was watching me. And then I stopped to explain, like, hey, this isn't real. None of this stuff can happen. And they kind of just view it as funny. But that speaks to how I want to be involved with their sort of gaming career as a parent. Not, mm-hmm. It's not the fault of the game that I let them play that. That's on me. And I feel comfortable because, again, I've had that conversation but I absolutely agree with you. Like when I hear people talk about, oh, yeah, my kid wants a new Call of Duty game. Like I'm going to be the one that tells them, like, are you sure? Do you know what's in this? Yeah. You know, were you the? I hate to say it like this, but were you the Karen that came and complained about, you know, the last one with no Russian and slaughtering people in an airport? Because yeah. that's, you know, you cannot take games. It's 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 being an irresponsible parent. If you buy tickets for your kid to see an R-rated movie, you own that. Yep. If you buy them an M-rated game, you own that. It's not on the game. Because I tell you what, there's a lot more 40-year-olds and 30-year-olds who have jobs and careers and grew up in games, playing games and buying games, than there are you buying this shit for your kids. Yep. The- um, and that's why I believe that games should be allowed to cross those lines. That's why I bought Agony. You know, That's why I buy games that sort of push the boundaries. Because I'm a grown adult. I should be allowed to play those things. And those things should be available for me. Yep. And in agony, it didn't work out for me. But, (laughs) you know, when I look at sort of the responsibility, video games are not babysitters. And I think a lot of people still 
have it in their head that, oh, they're marketed to my kid. They should be. No, they're not. No. Mm-hmm. Well, they either, you know, I, I can't speak because I'm, you know, I can't speak too much because I'm not a parent myself, but uh, me and me and Hazel quite, you know, we have conversations quite often about like people using, you know, YouTube to babysit their kids and stuff. Oh, and then they start oh, going yeah. off on one because like kids are getting access to, to videos on YouTube that they shouldn't. And there's, you know, there's people out there who are create, purposely creating videos that are supposed to be like a Peppa Pig video, but in the middle it'll turn into you know some guy being murdered yeah, and people yeah. just aren't watching you know people aren't watching what people are, their kids are doing on youtube and then they get mardy when they see things they shouldn't it's like well, yeah. don't be a parent youtube's not a fucking babysitter it requires your involvement no matter what your kids do and i don't care yeah. if that's going to the playground for 10 minutes you have to be hyper involved yes. and i mean i've cut it's funny my wife and i talk about it all the time she's like yeah i'm taking tablets away because you know natalie was sitting there watching something on a playlist the other day and like I turned around and it's something, you know, some dumb political thing, you know, like fuck Trump or Trump's great or you know, whatever it happens to be. It doesn't really matter. Like my kids don't need to get involved in that. I don't even have the greatest thing about on the tablets for a, my kids. It's the greatest thing about being a kid is you don't have to worry about shit like that. Yeah, be a kid. And you shouldn't have to. When you become an adult, then you got to deal with that horse shit all the time. Yeah. Um, but I, you know. It goes back to I don't think that there shouldn't be games because a kid could potentially play it. You just have to be more vigilant as a parent to keep your kids from playing it or to play it with them and explain it. Yep. Uh, but back to Call of Duty. I, I want to touch on the I want to touch on the multiplayer <laughs> really quick. It's yeah, sure. I am really enjoying it because they've dialed back so much of the bullshit. It it is just. I don't want to say bare bones because it's anything but it's very in-depth for creating and customizing your loadout. They've made some cool changes to it where the middle of a match, you can actually go in and edit your loadouts. Literally everything about your loadout, you can edit it mid-match if you want to before you used to have to wait until you get out of the match, go back, edit or leave the lobby because you're not going to have enough time to edit that loadout in the 60 seconds between matches. Um, They've added ground war, which is 48 players. It's just a, it's a neat experience to be back into a call of duty like i really like this because like you said battlefield was typically billed as your more realistic shooter call of duty was your Mm -hmm. twitch shooter this is a great melding of the two and that's really apparent within ground war because they introduce vehicles which was typically something only reserved for the battlefield games because um call of duty didn't have maps that were big enough well now they do you have helicopters you have tanks atvs all this other stuff but what's yeah. really cool about this game is how detailed the environments are. Before Call of Duty's like, all right, that is clearly a guy there. I can see him standing against the wall. <laughs> the the level of detail within these worlds is so is so high that you can hide in infinitely more places. But what's taking the longest to get used to is as long as you're not on the outskirts of the map, pretty much every door that you come across, you can open. So it just creates yeah. all these new pathways through the world. And it, it's just neat to to be relearning maps. Well, and that's, you know, obviously my new profession, esports are big for me. I can absolutely see the strategy, the technology applied, this becoming the next esports thing. Um, yeah. Because I think Fortnite's great. It's got a subset of players that are very dedicated and that's wonderful. Um, but from a just plain running gun shooter, this hits all the check marks for me. So much fun. Um, and it, plays super well the net code's great i've never i've never died where i went like that's the fault of you know the system in the game it's always oh no i just suck at this what's you know and i'm I'm trying to get better but you know (laughs) what's really cool and this is the last thing i'll say about this before we move on is the cross play so you can 
either turn that option on or you can turn it off in your settings. So if you just want to play with people on your console, you can disable crossplay and you'll only be paired up with people on your console. You can enable it. And within there, there, there is, I'm still trying to figure out the exact settings on it, but when you pop into a lobby, it'll show what console that person is on a PS PlayStation logo, or it'll say it'll have a PC monitor with a controller. And I haven't seen anybody pop in yet on Xbox. I don't know why. And I believe what I was reading about how it worked and you can set it so that it's purely open where you're playing against people on PC, Xbox, PS4, and then any controller configuration. But I think they were saying the default setting is that you're going to be paired with people who are using the same controller style. Because if you're on PlayStation with a controller against somebody on PC with a mouse and keyboard, you're going to get fucking slaughtered. And yep. I, I wonder if that um, extends to people because you can use PC and uh, use mouse and keyboard on Xbox. So I wonder if it extends to that as well. I think it does. I, I haven't delved yeah. too much into it, but I hope this is the future of gaming where you don't have to choose one console because that's what your friends have. And I think I, it will. If Call of Duty is now doing it, I think it will. I mean, PlayStation for the, for the longest time wouldn't let, even let Fortnite do it. And, and Fortnite kind of forced their hand to 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 yeah. create the, the, the cross play on there. And, and, you know, then they took it for uh rocket league as well. Like they, they got it as well. Um, and I think call of duty, you know, the, the huge multiplayer franchise that call of duty is, this is, this is the beginning of it just being standard. Well, and I read a really Great. cool article on Kotaku called modern warfare's online Crossplay play. Helped me get the gang back together. And it's really poignant because when I was in college, I had a group of friends that I played games with and, if I were to contact them all now, chances are half of them would have Xbox, half would have PC or PS4. And, you know, maybe some people within there would have a PC sprinkled in. But to not have to say, OK, guys, let's all choose one console to get. We can now just play. It's yeah. The interesting wrinkle with that, though, when I, when I said that, you know, this could be, you know, this is the beginning of the, of the future of crossplay just being standard. I wonder how that um, mixes with something like Stadia, because obviously Stadia they have got all their own servers uh, at their at their server sites and then obviously all of their multiplayer and everything like that, it'll just be their servers talking to each other and then obviously going to you to your computer. The interesting thing there is how are they going to work with, you know, cross-play with the other consoles? It's Google, so I think they'll have to get in line. Honestly, yeah. Google doesn't have a stake and they don't care. And even like with Call of Duty, it comes to the caveat that you're really signing into an Activision account to play Call of mm, Duty online. True. Oh, so man. I think that that'll continue. The next, the other last thing I, I said this before, but since you're signing into an Activision account, you can change your display name at any given time. So you're not stuck to just your PSN name, which is, yeah. it, it's so cool, cool to be able to do. So I'm running around as motherfucking Hank Fist. <laughs> I was gonna say it's Hank Fist. It's Hank Fist. <laughs> yeah, most American all man. Good things, all good things so far. I probably need to pour another hundred hours into it. Um, they I'm got rid of the prestige it, mode in online too. Yeah, yeah. Or I haven't I found they, it yet. No, I they got rid of it. It's not in there. Mode. Interesting. Yeah, Derek was. Uh, telling have they kept any kind of um, battle royale mode in? Because I know they had blackout didn't they last year, and that was so, a big thing. Because it was essentially Scott and I were talking about this last night, and. It's got to be in the works because Battle Royale was huge in Black Ops. It was Black Ops 3, right? Four? Four. Black Ops 4? Four. four. Yeah, anyway. it was Black Ops 4, yeah. yeah, it was, yeah, yeah. It was, anyway, the blackout mode, yeah. It was huge in that, but that's what almost everybody played. So I think our theory on it is that they're going to be releasing that at a later date because they really want to show off what they've done with the current multiplayer and the campaign mode instead of getting people, oh, I'm just going to buy it for the Battle Royale mode. 
I'm really enjoying it. Anyone who's even kind of on the fence about it, if you've loved Call of Duties in the past, you will absolutely love this. The multiplayer is so incredibly satisfying. Would it be a good entry point for someone like me who's never really played them or would you say play the old ones first? No, I would say 100% jump in on this one. And and honestly... I mean, I'm not going to anytime soon. I've got far much to play. Sure. Yeah, and and honestly, I know that that I give the impression that I play a lot of games online like an asshole. But like, dude, fucking playing Call of Duty with friends online is so much fun um, because you can get into a group and you can talk and you can strategize. And when you have the ability to do that, even if it's just three of you on a team of twelve, it increases the chances of success because you at least have a small squad of people talking to each other. And getting into vehicles together and, and going out and planning attacks and just having a fucking blast is so much fun. Yeah, I don't I believe that you don't play like an asshole. Oh, no, I was a complete <laughs> asshole in one instance because I had to. Just because I had to and I, I wanted to see if it was possible. I was running towards a helicopter. I wanted to fly it. I didn't make it to the pilot seat and there was one spot left on the side. So I waited till we got up to the top, pulled the pin on a grenade and just fucking held it. <laughs> that'll teach you to not let me fly took down Absolutely. six squad yeah. members <laughs> that's the only yeah it's, and this that's the only, is why i don't play multiplayer games with eric <laughs> that is the only asshole thing i have done on that game to date yeah so far I, I'll, I'll 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 prop up the praise and say that it's really good it's a little hard for me to get used to because for the last couple of weeks i've been playing destiny 2 since shadow keep launched and it just plays totally differently um but in good ways so I think that, uh, yeah, it give it give it a little bit for learning curve, and I certainly need to put more hours into it, but it's excellent. Guys, we are two and a half hours into this. Should we get oh. to the game of the week? Do we have to? So I have been torturing Eric with that <laughs> every fucking time I fall for it. Every time. <laughs> who, know, who knew Ouija's Hummer would be that divisive? And the, the only the only reason I fall for it is because we will regularly post little stupid audio clips or, or stupid videos in our WhatsApp chat. And Mike just slides one in. <sighs> and just when you think he's done. You click on the last one, and there it is. <laughs> Who picked this game? Was this you, Mike? Me. All right. Me? Yeah. We were meant to play it for the last show, but then uh, because Luigi's mentioned three release date got released, I said, why don't we do it closer to Halloween? Yeah, and we were supposed to play it a week ago for the show, but we had to push it because Tom was trying to become a citizen and Dan didn't play the game and yeah and i had shit going on too so we're like you know what let's just push yeah. it yeah exactly. push it real to, good we gave zach an extra week opinion. to finish it and uh <laughs> hashtag i didn't <laughs> what no so for some context we're playing we played luigi's mansion for the gamecube for the gamecube for the gamecube although i i ended up playing both versions not all the way through but i played both all versions right. yeah yeah um so 2001 it was released for the Nintendo GameCube. It was a launch title for it. What a yep. what a launch title. Yeah. 
interesting because yeah. um, it, it meant that the GameCube was the only Nintendo console that hasn't released with a, uh, a quote-unquote Mario game. And this was the yes. first game that Luigi had in his own, like he was the starring role. Yeah. Yeah. Good for him. And- I've, I've always kind of had like an affinity for like the sidekicks. So I always kind of like Luigi. Um, I dislike how over the years he's now got this fucking ridiculous floaty jump that like, <laughs> doesn't help. Oh, well, that, that ca- came from Doki Doki Panic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah I know we, we don't want to recode this there, game, but... so that's just Luigi now. Yeah, uh, so it makes him annoying to play as because I used to, um, on the older, older Mario games, like if you could like put something into play as Luigi rather than Mario, I just liked having him. As- Plus, green's one of my, green's my favorite yeah, color I, anyway. So. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I, I played this entire game with green and purple lights on in my game room. It was it was <laughs> very nice. I had to make it aesthetically pleasing because I didn't enjoy the controls of the game. <laughs> oh God, we will get into we, that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, honestly, I remember um, I bought a GameCube at launch um, and I bought Luigi's Mansion and played it for exactly five minutes before it went back and I got the Rogue Squadron for Star War, uh, the Star Wars game. And I was very happy that I did at the time. I kind of wish I'd given uh, Ouija more of a chance because it's not a bad game. It sounds like the time that when I got my N64 and a copy of Mar- uh, Super Mario 64, I returned it to get Wayne Gretzky's 3D hockey. <laughs> uh, yeah, except for I will absolutely s- I still submit that the Star Wars game is just a better game <laughs> yeah. than, than Ouija's Mansion. But I, I think I wanted it to be more of a traditional Mario game, and it is not. No, this is uh, putting this is it a weird one. Yeah, putting it at its most basic form. This is like Nintendo doing a Ghostbusters game without the Ghostbusters license. Yeah, yeah, and it's got sort so. of elements of uh, elevator action because you are controlling rooms at a time, mm. as opposed to going through like a stock level. You really have to clear. Um, rooms in a mansion to say that you have progressed to the point that you no longer have to worry about the control of the rest so, of the mansion. Mike, yeah. give us give us the thirty thousand foot view of what the hell this game is. <laughs> so it's a little kind of it's kind of an adventure game in a way, but um, the the kind of the. The whole thing around it is that Luigi has this vacuum cleaner. So to kind of give the story, uh, Luigi's a fucking context, idiot. Yeah, Luigi's yeah, a Luigi's fucking idiot. Fucking he, stupid. he wins. He wins a mansion <laughs> in a contest that he never even entered. <laughs> so the beginning of the game sees him wandering towards this mansion. With no a map. wonder you're not player uh, one. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and he goes in there and he uh, is haunted. He starts getting attacked by ghosts and uh, you're introduced to the character Professor E. Gad. Uh, uh, who, uh, get it, Dan. Get it. <laughs> <laughs> and he uh, sucks up these ghosts with this, like what is essentially a vacuum cleaner on the on his back, which the, is the, the Poltergust 3000. Um, and he trains Luigi into, basically the mansion appeared there and, and Professor E. Gad has been doing research on the ghosts and everything. Uh, and he says, oh, I'm getting a bit old for this. Uh, so he teaches Luigi how to use the Portagust and sends you on your way because Luigi is also looking for Mario, who disappeared towards the mansion, which enables you to uh, press A to Mario. <laughs> Mario! Yeah. Mario! 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 So, like Zach said, kind of elevator action kind of thing. Uh, the mansion uh, has all of its separate rooms that you're in and you, you essentially go through them. It's, it's kind of separated up into four stages, um, so more and more of the mansion um, gets unlocked as you go on, as you defeat each boss and, and get extra keys and stuff like that. Um, in the in the DS version, 
the keys to progress to the next stage were kind of they were based on the card, you know, spade, heart, club, oh. diamond. Um, that wasn't so obvious in the uh, in the in the GameCube one. Yeah, they were color coded. Yeah, yeah. No, in the DS one, they they were the the suits, card suits. What, um, what is obvious is that all the the people that own this house and put the locks on the doors were assholes because there's a key for every fucking door in the house, <laughs> except. <laughs> Except the one door that I wanted to have fucking open that never opened throughout the entire game, which made the shortcut it, door the shortcut door yeah. to get to up. Like you just can't open it. Yeah, you had to go through. I'm sorry, Mike. I didn't mean to interrupt. No, that's fine. Uh, you yeah. can unlock that door anyway. How? Uh, I think. Don't quote me on this. I think it's in the. You know the um, the butler's room. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a secret mouse hole there to go through to the next room. Yeah. Yeah, I think yeah. you get it from there. I cleared every room. Every map oh, okay. uh, or every room on my map was fully cleared. Oh, interesting. Because well, I, I definitely went, unlocked it, but I don't remember how. I went through I've every seen room. I've videos where people have unlocked it, but I never figured out how. Jesus, that oh, was annoying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's mostly annoying because every time you go to unlock a door that you don't have a key to, you get the full bore Luigi animation of him shaking the doorknob like an asshole, and he goes, <laughs> <laughs> But you can skip that. Yeah, you can skip it. Yeah, but it still starts. Yeah. It's still oh, okay. there. I can feel it in <laughs> yeah. my soul. Yeah. <laughs> so, in terms of gameplay, uh, Luigi's wandering around. Uh, it's not your normal Mario controls at all. Luigi doesn't jump. Uh, he doesn't. Uh, he doesn't run. Um, he does this. I just shit my pants. Shuffle. <laughs> <laughs> and if you look close enough, when he walks, his nose bu- bounces up and down. Yeah, yeah I, love I love it. I love it. But in terms of controls, when so when you're uh, faced with a ghost, um, he has a torch. You have to be able to shine the ghost on the uh, shine the torch onto the ghost. The ghost will pause, it'll freeze um, with a little counter, and basically you suck him up using the R button. And at that point, you get kind of it's almost like a sort of a mini game mechanic, isn't it? Where you you have to pull away from where the ghost is going, um, and it's sort of a bit like fishing, where you kind of you have to keep knocking it back, um, you know, back and forth, back and forth, and you'll get it. Um, Obviously, when there's multiple ghosts, you have to be careful to not get hit by the other ones. Um, but the health was always kind of plenty in this anyway. And as you go through, there's these portrait ghosts that you're wanting to capture to put back into the portraits. And then you ultimately have some bosses as well. And, and the, the grand scheme of it is going through the entire mansion, clearing it of ghosts and hopefully rescuing Mario. And getting those boss portraits and putting them into the portrificationizer. So Egad can oh have God. a stupid collection of ghost photos. Can we also talk about that fucking Michael Creighton must have written that entire section about the ghost because every time you clear a level, you have to hear how the ghost works. And it's like <laughs> Michael Creighton talking about how fucking frog DNA makes dinosaurs in Jurassic Park for 17 <laughs> chapters. Like, I don't care. You're putting a ghost into a picture. I can make a leak of the faith there. <laughs> Just tell me it fucking works and I'll believe you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't need the 13, 14 minutes worth of watching a ghost become a painting. I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> also, there's a gallery you can go into for no reason. Yeah, to look at them all. It was oh, fully like kind of realized on the DS version. Perfect. Love it. Um, yeah. Not a particularly challenging game. The only only time that I died was, was several times on the last boss. But other than that, not a particularly challenging game. The biggest struggle you will have with this game, and we said we'd get onto this, is the controls. Oh, God. It wouldn't because be bad if they gave you the option to invert or to not invert the C-stick. Yeah. Yeah. It's just a freaking yeah. mess. 
Well, because the weird thing is, sorry, is that going? Oh, no, I was just going to say it's tank controls. So when you consider that you're always moving forward when you're faced that way, it is literally impossible to turn Luigi around in a full circle without taking your thumb off the C-stick. Which is frustrating and, because the C-stick yeah. is not like left-right is not inverted for half of his vi- view. But when you're facing the other way, it's inverted. So like you said, you can't fully spin. Like if you've got a ghost and suddenly he goes to the other side of you, you have to stop and physically wire your brain like, I got to do this way now. It's just not intuitive. Yeah. Well, there's two different control modes you can do on this. And they both have their uh, pros and cons. So the standard controls, control type A. Uh, the left stick, the gray stick, um, if you're not using the vacuum, uh, he will move in a full 360 degrees, like however you need him to. You know, if you press back on it, he will instantly switch around. It's the moment you pull the vacuum out that um, that then switches uh-huh. to the C stick, where he rotates basically in place, doesn't he? You could not move the gray... You could stand there without touching the gray stick and turn the C stick and he will just kind of rotate in place. This is what Eric was talking about. You always have to kind of be wary of which way you're turning in terms of which way he's facing. If you need him to go to the right of the screen, but to the right of the screen is more left for Luigi, you're, you're thinking, right, I need to rotate him to the left. Mm-hmm. Well, the other control yeah. scheme that Eric said you you tried, but you, you, you said you didn't really see a difference. There's the sidestep one. So that when just using the gray stick without the vacuum, he will always face the same direction, similar to when you're using the vacuum cleaner, which does have its advantages in some areas because it means that if you're facing a ghost, you can kind of move around without um, without turning away from him so you can kind of get the torture on him easier. Now, this is where the DS version is fantastic because the DS version, you can change these kind of on the fly. So oh, okay. you, can have, you can have control type A, so you have the full 360 on the, um, on the left stick, um, but if you hold down the B button he will change to the sidestep, which is so fucking useful because you just then hold it down and you switch them on the fly and honestly made this game so much more playable. Yeah, I kind of wish I would have played it on the DS. I really, again, my gripes with the game are all about controls because I think from an aesthetic perspective, this game is gorgeous for a GameCube game. Um, So much so that it does work against it. Um, because I think <laughs> in a lot of cases, like I'm supposed to do something in the environment, but it's also well rendered. It doesn't have that like, Hey, this thing is shiny. Go touch it or go look at it. It's different. I just kind of had to figure it out. Like the candles, for example, mm. all look amazing, but they kind of blend in the environment so well. I didn't always know that that was the focus of what I was supposed to be doing in the room. Mm-hmm. Um, but definitely, definitely did not help that I started playing on a wave bird that I realized that it just had a busy channel for whatever reason. Um, and about half the time my stick would drop out in the middle of play. I had to switch so on top of it. Yeah. Yeah. I had to stop oh, using my wave bird halfway through as well and used a wired controller. Yeah. And it did make it better. Um, but Mike, you didn't talk about the one mechanic that makes this game frustrating, which is every time a ghost pops up, which is literally every fucking room, <laughs> every goddamn time, despite seeing thousands of ghosts, Ouija stops and goes, and shits himself and stops walking which means that if you're in a room with more than two ghosts chances are you're gonna get hit yeah through no fault of your own yeah um but like i said the health is always kind of a plenty i mean he has hit points he has 100 hit points it's not typical mario where you know you only get one hit and then uh apparently what happened there whoa we were all flashing. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know, you do have like actual hit points on it and, and they are very generous with the health. Like I said, I only died on the last boss. Um, 
But yeah, he considering he doesn't ever. <laughs> I know he's a coward. I know that's him. Kind of, you know, that's his character, which is interesting. Apart from the uh, cartoon, which was based on the Mario Three game, is this the first instance of like Luigi's character actually being a coward? Was this the first time they built him as that? Because I can't think of any time before this. What was the cartoon mm. in the eighties? It was Captain. Was it Captain Power or Captain N or whatever it was? Oh he yeah, would, yeah. Like guest star on that one, and he was always kind of a sally ass. But yeah, I think this might have been the first instance where, for whatever reason, just Ouija shits the bed at the drop of a hat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Until for some reason in Mario Kart Eight, he becomes just a raging asshole. Yes, that's true. <laughs> did you um? Did you end up playing Mario Rabbids in the end, Eric? I did. Yeah. Yeah, like they, they use Luigi's death stare from Mario Kart as an actual move in it. Do they? I, I haven't gotten that <laughs> yeah, yet. Yeah, yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. <laughs> um, but yeah, back to Luigi's Mansion. So um, they also end up adding elementals later on, but they didn't. I don't feel like they implemented that as much as they probably could. Yeah, it was a little too late in the game. Mm. So you'll, yeah, what I really like about this is that through, each, right? of the, each of the rooms is like a mini level. You walk in. The room is dark and you have to figure out what to do. A lot of the rooms are just, okay, defeat all the ghosts that are in here. Some of them have a little bit of a puzzle. Other ones have what's considered to be a mini boss ghost where you have to, you can walk in, you can see that ghost. You know, it could be a lady sitting at a mirror putting makeup on and you have to figure out a way to get her heart to appear so you can capture her. Uh, For instance, hers was... You have to open the window to cause a draft. So she stands up to walk over to it, which then shows her heart. Or there's somebody who is taking a shower. And in order to uh, get that person to freak out, you have to get the ice element to make the ice or to make the water cold. And then that makes her heart appear. Those are the the much more difficult boss battles that, that require a little bit of thought. And they typically have a hundred hit points to try to pull down and you know do take a little bit more time. But once you clear a room and you know it's cleared, then the lights come on. And that's kind of your indication of, okay, I've done pretty much everything I can do in this room with the exception of the booze. So there's a hundred, no, 50 booze. 50 booze. And they are hidden throughout the world in each room. And I think what's really cool about the mini map is that they give you a little Game Boy Color that's been renamed the Game Boy Horror and all of the the menu options and map are done through this. When you open it up, it pulls this little Game Boy Color up onto your screen. But Do you know what you'll love on the um, on the DS version, Eric. Hmm. The top screen when you use the Game Boy Horror, the top screen is obviously the what you're using. The bottom screen just actually looks like the bottom of a Game Boy, like with the B and the uh, A and the D pad. And uh, the actual cool. the actual D pad and the B and A buttons are actually functional. What do they do? The you use it to interact with the map so you can use you can just use the the normal controls of the ds or you can like obviously use the touchscreen ones like the working d-pad and bna oh that's That's really cool (laughs) so on the top of this game boy horror there's a little light and it's typically turquoise but if you walk into a room and it turns yellow it means there's a boo in there and you just kind of have to navigate closer to where it is and when you get really close it'll turn red and start blinking you interact with whatever that is Either a decoy will pop out, and then you have to go find the, the actual boo, or the boo will pop out, and then you'll have to capture it. But they are... And they all have, like, pun names, don't they? Yeah, they do. I can't <laughs> yeah. remember any of them off the top of my head, but... Uh, I'll see if I can find a list. They, The boos will escape from you, and they'll pop through the wall into an adjacent room. 
And I got to tell you, I am super pleased that they didn't go between floors. So if they went up to the second floor, yeah. down to the first, I probably wouldn't have collected all 50 of them because traipsing from the first floor to the second is a nightmare. Well, yeah, and like early on in the game, it's kind of a pain in the butt to get the boost because sometimes they go behind locked doors. Yeah. Yes. Um, and you have to come back later and pick them up. And that was just kind of frustrating. I think I had 48 by the time I was done. So I got all um, 50 and I feel like a little bit of this was cheap because one boss battle gives you 15 booze. Yeah. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Wow. You have to get and you have to get a minimum of 40, don't you, to finish the game? Yeah, and I was at like yeah. 17 or 18 when I got to that boss battle. And it's like, all right, here's your next 15. Well, that wasn't hard. Yeah. <laughs> well, I was well, getting well, concerned because I knew I knew that this was quite a short game. And before that boss battle, I was like, I'm missing a lot of booze still. Like, am I missing something? And then did that boss battle. I was like, oh, nope, we're good. <laughs> yeah. So well, I got I'm- a list of their names. So there's things like Bamboo, Boother, Game Boo Advance, <laughs> Taboo. Boolicious, um, Kung Boo, um, Peekaboo, Boomio, yeah, Mr. Boo Jangles. I like Mr. Boo Jangles. <laughs> I love Mr. Boo Jangles. Awesome. Boo Eejee, Little Boo Peep. <laughs> Just all ridiculous things like Boo Boutique, Boo Boulder. I can't even say this one. Boulder Dash. <laughs> Boomerang. <laughs> Yeah, one of my my challenges with the game, though, is Mike mentioned it before, um, was that the way that the the what the hell is it called? The Poltergeist 3000 or the Poltergeist 4000, whatever, Poltergeist. the vacuum cleaner. Poltergeist. Yeah, um, was that the rule set is supposed to be when you expose a booze heart, you suck it up and you have to pull back on the C stick or the yellow stick mm-hmm. um, in the opposite direction, which on a GameCube anyway, works about 30% of the time because <laughs> it's got uh, an octagonal gate to it, which means that you can't always pull directly back. Sometimes it slides to the side. But my real challenge with it is, is that only works on certain ghosts. There are some ghosts, like the booze, for example, you just have to suck up and stay focused and aimed at. And they don't ever really tell you that. You just kind of have to figure it out for yourself. And then there are some ghosts that react to fire. There's some ghosts that react to water. There's some ghosts that react to ice. And like, there's never really mention of that. You just kind of have to figure it out for yourself. Well, that sounds, you know, like, okay, well, that's just gameplay design and teaching how to play the game until you get in a room that's got 15 different types of ghosts, which does happen about what, two thirds of the way through the game when the lights go off. Yeah. Yeah. And that is just and then on top of, you know, hey, there's 15 ghosts in the room and they all have different rule sets. There's also 15 ghosts popped up. So every time they pop up and disappear, Ouija shits himself (laughs) or you can just stand still. (laughs) Yeah, you get the shy guy ghosts where you got to suck their mask off. And then if you don't then immediately capture them, they'll disappear, come back with a new mask. But in the meantime, you're trying to fight off the damn orange ones who are giving you a bear hug. Yeah. Or the blue ones who are doing the. uh the alley-oop swing away. Yeah. And yeah, they're just, there's too much variety for the controls to be as bad as they are. Yeah. Yeah. Um, interesting. You mentioned the shy guy ghost, Eric. This is, uh, you know, I always try and pull up some interesting facts about games like this. Uh, this is the only game literally where you, where the shy guys masks have ever been off and you've seen what's underneath. Which like, is never done it nothing. Since. It's just the, the yeah. red, <laughs> the red cape yeah. with two eyes on it. That's it. Yeah. This is going off on a bit of a tangent. Um, but, you mentioned the like octagonal gate on the controller of the GameCube. Have you got, I think I shared this with Eric on what's WhatsApp. So he's definitely seen it, but have you seen, uh, Zach, have you seen that 
um, I can't remember who's making it, but someone's made some GameCube style Joy-Cons that you can buy online. I did. So one side, one side is, is basically either side of the, the GameCube controller. But if you look at it, I don't know if anyone's actually bought these yet, because if you look at it, it's got the octagonal gate on the, um, on the controller, but it's wrong. Yeah. As in like the flat bit is at the top rather than a corner that's at the top. <laughs> Sir, from gamers everywhere who have been using analog sticks from the last 15 years, fuck you. <laughs> fuck you for doing that. It's an analog stick. It should be able to swing. <laughs> yeah, I did. I saw the um, I was at Best Buy the other day and they had the uh, packs of GameCube controllers. I guess they're ostensibly for uh, Smash. But it's like a four pack of GameCube controllers that they're selling. They're just wireless. And I was interested in that, but I didn't look at the analog stick. Hmm. Uh, but yeah, that gate sucks. It just I never really noticed it until I played this. But again, because you have some ghosts that have the mechanism that you're supposed to pull away, like sometimes that ghost moves in a direction where you literally because it hits the flat part, it just slides into one of the corners of the octagon. So it's just not conducive to that style of play. It's interesting that they kept, because the N64 uh, analog stick is very much like that as well. It's, it's not quite the same shape, but isn't it? It's, it's yeah, more it's, of a square, isn't it? It's a square gate, yeah. Yeah. It's interesting again, that they kept a, That is literally the first analog stick out there, so I can forgive it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just an interesting choice to keep something similar when they when they went to yeah. I mean, the GameCube, Game, GameCube controller is fucking mental anyway. But <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh, yeah. But I mean, it, it is. So when I started playing with a wired controller, like it was super comfortable all until I had to play Luigi's Mansion <laughs> with it, and then I was damning it every moment. Also, um, so w- one of the gameplay mechanics that Mike mentioned that we should talk about is the elements. So you have the ability to suck up these three elemental types of, I guess they're birds or little ghost owls or whatever. But when you do that, it gives you the ability to use, is it the left trigger? Yeah. It's not. Yeah. It, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. Cause GameCube only has one bumper. Um, it's the left trigger to use um, that element for a finite amount of time, which is unlike the vacuum because you could just walk around with the vacuum out all the time and it'd be fine. Mm-hmm. Um, the challenge with that is when you go to do it, there's a delay from when you hit the button. Like he has to switch over to fire mode and you have some ghosts that you really have to freeze to set on fire or use the water element on to get them to expose their heart or to get them to be able to be sucked up. And that delay, if you've got four or five ghosts on screen is just really frustrating because again luigi shits himself every time a ghost shows up sometimes you have to turn around directly at the ghost and just hit him with the light and that's how you suck him up sometimes you have to use fire and that delay between luigi shitting himself and then oh i have to switch over to fire mode now i have to suck him up is just it it took the fun out of the game for me Mm -hmm. that's a real shame yeah i'm really hoping it's fixed in ouija u um because i or Haunted Mansion 3, whatever they're going to call it. I, I call Luigi's Luigi, Mansion sorry. 3. <laughs> yeah, whatever, whatever the fuck it is. I think they went with uh, Luigi I 3. I hope that's fixed and then it just controls like Mario did in Mario Odyssey. Maybe. Because I think that would have made that game a whole lot of fun for me. Um, if I just had full ring control and I treated it. Because it's not like the map rotates in Luigi's Mansion. There's really no reason that it was tank controls other than they didn't know how to do it in any other way. Yeah. Well, the interesting thing is because the main reason I put this on the list for this year is well, I knew I had one of the October games, so I wanted to get something sort of spooky and Halloween-y anyway. Sure. Um, but the main reason I, ch- I actually chose this is because I randomly picked up when when Eric bought me that 2DS, um, I randomly picked up Dark Moon, the second one. Mm-hmm. And 
I really loved that. Like, really, really fantastic game. Um, it sticks around for a bit too long. Gets a bit... Because one of the things mm-hmm. with Luigi's Mansion is it is a very short game. Um, it's at least twice the length of the first one, Dark Moon. Um, but unfortunately, they don't add more in as it goes on to keep it from getting samey. Um, but other than that, I, I loved it. Before it was really, really great. And I wanted to see where the, the franchise kind of began, which is why I wanted to play the first one. And wanted to see kind of how the controls changed and, and everything like that. And I completely forgot this until Eric said that he randomly tested Dark Moon the other day. But Dark Moon randomly doesn't support either the little nubbin on the 2DS, 3DS XL or the Circle Pad Pro. So like it's awesome. only it's only a one stick <laughs> game anyway. Um so it actually uses and believe it or not, it actually quite works. It uses the X and the B button. They're the right around on the Nintendo. Yeah. yeah, X and the B button to to aim your your Hoover up and down rather than like the stick. So like me going back to this one to kind of see where That's the controls rough. came from didn't really kind of work anyway. <laughs> yeah. And it was interesting because I played, it was a couple of months back, there's a, a big sort of arcade bowling alley around the corner from me. Um, and they had one of the sit-down two players, Luigi's Haunted Mansion, the arcade game. That thing is a lot of fun, huh. but it's a game on rails where you literally, like, there's a button to hit the ghost of the vacuum cleaner and then one stick that you pull back from. Mm. Um, it's a totally different experience, but the aesthetic is really the same. So I went into this thinking like, oh, it's going to be this on rails thing because I didn't remember playing it when I was a kid. And uh, yeah, it's different. And again, I think with some modern controls, I really would have enjoyed it more. Hmm. Um, I I did not finish it. I got all the way up to the second where you, uh, the part where um, I think the last boss that I faced was Uncle Fiddly. Um, And I got up to the roof and I went down the chimney on the right side to the secret room. And that room was just, there was no health between that boss, the cuckoo clock boss and then the shy guys, and then getting into that room where I just I opened a chest and I got four different types of booze, and I was like, you know what, I'm not going to do all that. <laughs> uh, but I think I'm like two rooms away from the end of the game, and I was like, eh, I, I get the point, I get the impression. Yeah, Zach, you're not yeah. even close. It's not Uncle Fiddly. What the hell was his name? <laughs> it's Uncle Grimly. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> he he fiddled with you. <laughs> So I, I like Uncle Fiddly. He's molester Uncle Fiddly. I didn't That's who he realize is. <laughs> this that some of the portrait ghosts are optional. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I got them all because like you didn't have you didn't have to do the twins, right? Uh, I, I think they were optional, and then Henry, I think one Henry the, and Orville, Biff yeah. Atlas was optional. He was a bitch because you had to uh, hit him with the punching bag, and I would always oh, miss, yeah, and yeah, it yeah. would swing back and hit me. Yeah, who else? I think Nana was optional too, wasn't she? I don't know. I'm looking the up. one with the uh, knitting wool. Yeah, yeah. No, I don't Nana. Nana was required. So the optional ones were. Uh, let's see here, Mister Lugs. Let's see, Biff Atlas, Slim Bankshot, and then Sue P and Jarvis. <laughs> okay. How about the dead baby? Oh yeah, there's definitely a dead baby. There is definitely a dead baby who is the area boss of the first world or of the first area. That's uh, yeah. that's pretty brave of Nintendo. You to make fight that kind a of giant dead baby called the spoiled baby. So you um, suck up a dead baby with a vacuum. You know, I'm just it kind of it kind of works on two levels. I mean, he's spoiled because he's a lot of ship, but he's also spoiled because he's gone bad and died. 
Originally, because yeah. uh, it's Cha- Chauncey, Chancy, Cha- isn't it the baby? Yeah, uh, apparently during development, the nursery was originally called the child's room and Chauncey mm. was missing. Instead, the room was filled with ghosts. A stuffed rabbit and two teddy bears were, were to the far right on a shelf and the different style crib and mat were further away from the wall. After being in the room, coins and normal key would appear out of a treasure chest. Hmm. Uh, it's unlikely it would have been for the area two door, but possibly not. As we talked about the fact that the you have oh, maybe like I didn't unlock that million dollars by the middle of the game. Yeah, what's up with the money? <laughs> Yeah, the money didn't make any sense. I mean, it was, it's, so the more money you make throughout the game, you get a higher rank at the end. But why is it? Why a, is it millions? Like I got to the end of the first area, I have twelve million dollars. Great. Because then at the end, um, depending how much money you made, because you know at the end where he gets given an actual mansion. Yeah. yeah. Depending on your depending on your rank, so depending on how much money you made, you get a, he gets a better, better, bigger and better mansion. God, it's just millions. Couldn't of, I just? <laughs> Couldn't I just use that money to buy something to keep me from getting hit by the fuck I'm tiny mushroom every time? <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> every boss has the chance to drop a purple mushroom, which is a reference back to uh, the real Super Mario 2 or the lost levels if you're in the States. Um, and this mushroom makes Ouija tiny. And every time you're tiny, you can't use the vacuum cleaner because reasons. Um, <laughs> and it's one of the things that it presents the most challenge during a boss fight. Oh, the other thing we didn't talk about throughout the course of the game is you have to collect five artifacts from Mario. Yeah, why is Mario wandering around this mansion with no hat, one shoe, and one glove? (laughs) And why is he leaving letters? Mario's a rape victim. King Boo (laughs) did a bunch of stuff and took a picture of him. Took off half his clothes. So here's something interesting. Uh, originally, uh, this was going to be a an N64 title, according to uh, Hideki Kono. I and that wrong. Who was who's the director of it? Apparently, on the disc, there's a sound effect for getting the getting a star from Super Mario 64. Oh wow! And apparently, this was supposed to be the first GameCube game to support stereoscopic 3D. If you didn't know, the GameCube circuitry has everything baked in to support stereoscopic 3D, but 3D TVs were not widespread at the time. They were prohibitively expensive and they never released the necessary uh, add-on component to be able to display stereoscopic 3D. But for all intents and purposes, GameCube support 3D and this was intended to be one of those titles. (laughs) That's interesting because the color palette's really limited. That makes a lot more sense now. Yeah. Uh, Apparently in earlier versions of the game as well, there was a timer on the hood. According to Nintendo Power Magazine, originally uh, Luigi was only going to have 24 hours to save Mario. Ugh. So, a oh. bit of a uh, kind of Majora's Mask That was Mask a good design choice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but the one thing I can say about this game, I mean, I, we're making jokes about me torching Eric with the theme tune, but like this series, because obviously I've played both of them now, fucking oodles of charm. Love and it. Oh, one yeah, of the yeah. things with this, and and yeah, it you know we laugh about it, but luckily the theme tune, even though it does get in your head, it's not particularly annoying. But the great thing about it, it does this in both these games is when you're in an area that's completely clear, because Luigi hums the theme tune along with along with it. Mm-hmm. And the great thing is, is like in the clear sections, he's he's either whistling it or he's like you know he's really cheerful humming it but then in rooms that you haven't cleared yet when it's dark and there's still ghosts in there you know he's shaking and and he's, he's still doing the theme tune but he's, he's he's kind of like all 
like <laughs> like he's trying to cheer yeah. himself up yeah and i love it it's so good like when i first started playing the second one um like it was immediately the thing i latched on like it's such a just nice little nice little concept they did there yeah what did you guys think of the boss and battles I, for the most part they were fun they were all kind of unique fuck the last boss battle <sighs> wouldn't know <laughs> so essentially you play or you fight against King Boo, who has assumed the uh, form of Bowser, giant Bowser. And you have to run around on the roof of the mansion, avoiding the fire that he spews out. And then he will mm-hmm. throw out these spiked balls. And it took me a little bit to realize that you don't have to catch the spike ball as it's moving. The first couple of times, like, I could only catch it as it was moving and Christy was watching me play. And she's like, that seems really bad that you have to catch this Whoa. thing as it's moving. I just wasn't getting close enough to it. So you have to, well, to give some context, to this, sorry to interrupt her, to give some concept on this Zach as well. Like it goes into this weird sort of isometric view and obviously you can't rotate the camera and it is so fucking frustrating. Yeah, like right. to even be able to pick the, pick these balls up in the first place because of the way that the angle of the view is, is just awful. Sorry, Eric, well, even even on the big boo fight, the one with a unicorn boss where you have to pop him mm. like that was the challenge for me. It was height to freeze the boos when they were sort of the many boos, um, because if you were off on the angle at which you were spewing ice, um, like it just would not freeze them despite it looking like you were hitting them. So I can only imagine. Well, you go you once you capture one of these balls and you have to shoot it at Bowser, which then his head pops off and boo flies out and then you have to capture him, but he has 500 hit points. Ugh. So then you can only capture him for a certain amount of time. Then he'll fly back in, get in, move on to the next phase, do that a few times. And then when he's, I think he's down below 200 or something, he starts doing this bull rush where he'll charge at you. And if you get hit, it basically wipes out all your health. And if you've taken any damage up to that point, you're just going to die. So if you want to regenerate health, there are these these pillars that you have to get him to run through while simultaneously not getting hit. And a single solitary heart will drop that you have to collect while also avoiding spews of lava fire and just rinse and repeat that. It's an extremely frustrating boss fight. Ooh, with tank controls, I bet that makes it even more fun. Mm. Oh, well, so this is where I'm glad I played this part on the ds because like i said i started on gamecube and i could not imagine trying to beat this boss with the gamecube controls so kudos to eric because the gamecube uh, the 3ds version not only can you switch the the sidestep and the the normal rotation on the fly holding the b button this also applies to when you are using the vacuum so when you're in the vacuum it automatically goes into like the sidestep but then if you hold b you'll go into the other rotation so that really fucking helps because you can just rotate around whilst vacuuming um, but the other side of that is the up and down, because obviously you've got the, the little nubbin stick on on, on the 2DS. Um, the up and down on that, it, it still doesn't feel that great, but it uses the 3DS's um, motion controls. Mm. So for the up and down, which mm. I know you go motion controls, ugh, no, and this game actually really works. So like as you're aiming the vacuum, you literally just tilt your, your DS ever so slightly and he'll he'll move the vacuum up and down. And this came in so handy. I, I barely used it throughout most of the campaign, but on this last boss, it was like it, it helped me beat this boss being able to do that. Sure. Yeah, it was just- well, I'm hoping when we get to the Switch release of the part three, I, th- I think there's a lot of opportunity to do stuff with different camera angles to make the controls a little less, I'm going to call them fiddly. 
<laughs> well, I was listening to um, Tim Gettys from Kind of Funny. Um, he, he's had a preview version of the game. And he says that it still uses, you can still use the motion control um, for the up and down on the, the vacuum. And okay. he said he said it actually really works in that. Oh, yeah, that's good. Hey, it can't be worse than the lair. Yeah. <laughs> and I got all the way through that shit. <laughs> good for you. <laughs> Any other little uh, tidbits uh, on this, Mike? Oh, yeah, I've got quite a few, actually. Um, so if you try and confront, confront King Boo before capturing enough, uh, booze and everything like that, there's a Star Wars reference. He says, I will not give up my favorite decoration. I like Mario just where he is, which is obviously a call back to, uh, Jabba and Han yeah. Solo. Uh, you mentioned about the 3D sound. Um, there's, uh, that Tatanka's theme. So is it Tatanka? Um, a theme hidden somewhere in the game. As well, don't know what you're talking about, uh, yeah. but I can't remember where that is. Uh, and I've kind of did you guys got my did you guys ever use the mirror trick? Yes, I didn't learn about that till yeah. the last area. Yeah, so if you point your uh Game Boy Horror camera at a mirror, it starts to flip the image of the mirror around and it warps you back to the save area. I found this nice. out by accident, <laughs> yeah, so did I. So, actually, that's a good thing that we didn't, it's a good thing you brought that up because we didn't mention that when you go into the room with those mini portrait bolts portrait ghosts you have to take your game boy horror point it at that person press a and it gives you a little blurb mm-hmm. about it or an insight as to how to capture that ghost yeah some sort of vague vacuous hit and yes yeah um, which is good one of my favorite portrait ghosts had to be the i can't remember her name i've lost my list of ghosts um the one in the music room so to activate her, she sat at the piano, but to activate her harp, there's all these other instruments in the room. So there's obviously like a cello, there's, I think there's a harp and there's like drums and, and, and everything like that. And you have to activate each one of them. And it's, it's all basically the Super Mario theme tune. Yeah. Um, and yeah. you're just adding all the instruments bit by bit. And then she starts playing along with it. I think that was one of my favorites. I'm not going to lie to you. That one stumped me for a half an hour. Oh, and really? it wasn't because I didn't get the concept of turning on the instruments. It was I wasn't treating the drums as three different instruments. I thought I had turned on the drums because I turned on the middle one. Oh, and then uh, I figured like, oh, you have to touch all three. OK, <laughs> that makes sense. So I found something interesting here. There were supposedly some changes that were made towards the end of development. If you look at the original trailer that they showed for this at the first E3 of 2000, uh, the Poltergust had an exhaust meter, which means it could overheat and then blow up and cost some life. Oh, fuck that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and the original map that's included on the Game Boy Horror didn't have the feature to find the right room to fit the key that you just got, which was extremely oh, see, that was helpful. a saving grace. Yeah. The, yeah. the fact that every time you pick up a key, it shows you exactly where you need to use it. And it was initially yeah. planned to just be one gigantic area instead of four. Yeah, I mean, I appreciate that they broke it up because the mansion itself, despite only having three floors, is actually pretty big. So, you know, I appreciate not having to go check every single door hmm. just to see if my key works on it or not. <laughs> Especially because that. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, the world record for beating this game is nine minutes and 43 seconds. Jeez. Wow. Us- using glitches and stuff like that. <laughs> so, apparently. I think I, I skied through all the way up to the part where I ended up quitting in probably three hours. 
It's not long. I surfed through the whole first part of the game, and then I just, like I said, I got to that port, port and I was like, yeah, I'm not going to replay this. Uh, there's some dummied out ending files that show different graphics that kind of give an indication that maybe there was going to be some sort of ending game results. One of them was depressed Luigi holding a flower or smiling with a peace sign or smiling with both peace signs, which obviously didn't get included, but I'm trying to find, I found something earlier. Hang on, let me see if I can find it. Well, wait a minute here. I'm reading something. There were going to be ghost enemies that would jump scare Luigi, briefly disabling him and crippling his health to 50. Woof. The concept was taken and nerfed for the sneakers in Dark Moon. Hmm. A two-player mode was going to be programmed in, but due to technical limitations, it was scrapped. I'm kind of excited for the multiplayer mode of uh, Luigi's Mansion 3. Yeah, well, yeah. the... the um one of the big changes from um, on the DS version is that there's actually multiplayer mode on that. Hmm. Um, oh, so at the very be- at the very beginning of um, of it on the DS, P- Professor Egad from the future uh, <laughs> for some reason calls you up uh, and delivers, uh, gives you Guigi. Oh, nice! Who's in Who's in Luigi's <laughs> Mansion Three? Um, and you can actually play it multiplayer. Oh, dear God. Also, I have to point out that Professor Egad is a liar because he says, I am too old to do this ghost catching shit. And I looked in the gallery when I started. He hadn't caught shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, no. Okay, so that's the thing. Uh, it says in the instruction book um, from Egad, I collected famous ghosts from all over the world and turned them into paintings, but those darn boos went and turned them all back into ghosts again. You've got to catch those ghosts so I can uh. turn them back into paintings. So he originally caught them, and now he's like, I'm too fucking old to keep doing this. Yeah, and you have a potato for a head, so I guess we should listen to you. So I've just found this on Gaming Myths. Um, Basically, during... uh, So after when the lights go out, during the blackout, after the boss battle in Area 3, Luigi goes into a telephone room and answers a couple of calls. During these calls, while Luigi's holding the phone to his ear, wait until there is a lightning flash, and you'll find that Luigi's shadow has been distorted in such a way it looks like he's been hanged. Uh, some speculate that the shadow is evidence of a much darker game than what was released, taking into consideration that the beta footage showed a lot of spooky elements that were removed in the final lease. It's entirely, entirely possible this was one of these things that was left in from the beta version. Huh. Um, other people think it's a lighting, could be, just be a lighting glitch. But yeah, I'm looking at the image now. It does, it does actually look like it's been hanged. There was apparently a safari. <laughs> Can you say, I want to see that picture. Um, it's been uh, yeah. ground for Luigi's mansion. There is also an infamous <laughs> safari ghost that wanted to kill Luigi and keep his head as a mount. He was supposedly cut for being too scary. There's no proof. <laughs> There's no proof such a character was ever in development. It's sourced from a caption in Nintendo Power. However, the misleading quote came out after the game was already out in Japan. So I wonder what that caption says. I did play the Japanese version a little bit. I really did not notice any differences between the two. Oh, hey, yeah, here's the image. Yeah, I see it. Huh. Really loads, anyway. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, not so kid-friendly anymore, is it? <laughs> no, no, not so much. Let's see. But, I Let's mean, see. I think you have, to, you, you have to put aside all talk of this being print kid friendly because you got to figure out that this game is really about just Ouija being fucking stupid yeah. and being taken advantage of throughout this whole game. Hey kids, don't fall for a scam. Someone says you want a mansion, you clearly didn't. This is the king of Nigeria saying he wants to deposit $50,000 in your checking account right here, kids. 
life lessons learned the hard way. So. Oh God, Eric, you'll like this. I haven't got time to read it because it's fucking huge, but there's a, uh, <laughs> there's a Luigi's dead theory Ooh. for it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Is this his purgatory? Maybe. I don't know. It's quite long. I, I ain't got a chance to read through. I wish I'd seen this before the show. I'll send you the link anyway for you to peruse at yeah. your, uh, my leisure. <laughs> your convenience. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think that was somebody who just played through the controls of the original GameCube game and it was wishful thinking. <laughs> but no, I, to kind of sum this up a bit, I, I would definitely recommend this game. I would. Too. I just would not recommend it on the GameCube. If you've got access to it on a, on a two, two or three DS, yeah. play it on there. Yeah. For sure. I mean, for a GameCube launch title, it was, it was amazing looking. I think this was one of the first real games to use transparency effects. Because the ghosts look absolutely positively like ghosts. They're awesome looking. Yeah. Um, I would argue. They're atmospheric. I would argue, because I played this on both, I would argue that it actually looks better on GameCube still. Graphically. The RDS. For sure. Fair enough. But I I had a good time with the first half of it. Yeah, I agree. I, I will definitely be picking up part three. It was something that has always been in my gaming backlog that I've never touched and always been curious about. So I'm, I'm happy I went through it. I got to the end of it and went, well, that was fun. Glad I played it. It was good. I was a little disturbed by the fact that every time Ouija gets a key, he shoves it directly in his butthole. <laughs> <laughs> and it was a very like, there's no other explanation for it. There's no key ring back there. Ouija is shoving things in his butthole. <laughs> Oh dear. oh dear! Anything else we yeah, want to mention? Fucking oodle, oodles of charm. Like I've not played a game yeah. this charming, and apart from obviously the second one as well. But, um, but yeah, I would, I'd recommend the second one as well. I say it hangs around a bit too long, but I've, I've got Luigi's Mansion Three pre-ordered. Um, I really I'm hope Luigi's Mansion Three doesn't crest into like the fifteen-hour range. No, this needs to be a short get in there, get out type of experience. I, I think it's it will, fun. and I think it won't be a problem as long as they can keep switching up the gameplay. Yeah. Which, looking at the trailers and stuff that I've seen, like they're adding things to it. Like it's going to be able to slam the ghosts, and uh, there's like a plunger mechanic that you use to open secret walls and, and safes and, and things like that. So hopefully they can mix it up. But from what I can tell from the previews, because um, it's like a haunted hotel you're in, and each floor apparently. So as you progress through the game, you go through different stages, and which is the different floors, and they're all like different themes. So you're going to get like completely different oh, themes nice. on each floor. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's just we're at that point of the year where you look at stuff and you go, fuck, I really want to play that. But I've got all of this other stuff (laughs) because Luigi's Mansion comes out and then we've got uh, next month Death Stranding. Stranding. We've got Pokemon. We've got Star Wars Jedi. Pre-ordered as well. Yeah, we've got Star Wars Jedi. Outer Worlds. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, we've got. And then December is not. There's really nothing major in December. No, I don't see anything that is, is worth it for me. But give, give, give you time again, to right enjoy Resident Evil Four. Year, we're right back to it again. Yeah, but then look at you know looking at what we have on the docket for next year. We've got some we've got some long games coming up. I can't even remember what we've got at the beginning of the year. Uh, well, Signing I know obviously we've got Dot Hack Infection. Yeah, Santos requested we played the first Dot Hack, but we've timed that so that we've given ourselves all of December to play it. And then it's our first show of the year. Mm. So we have a month to play it, which shouldn't be too bad. It's only 18 hours. It'll be, oh, a, I thought it was longer than that. It'll be a better 18 hours than project Eden. 
fuck i went two hours into that game and wanted to kill myself oh, oh thanks Dan. oh yeah we we have been some long games <laughs> they are some doozies i'm not going to spoil anything else because it might change but i'm yeah. still trying to veto one that mike wants to put on there <laughs> is it goof troop it's goof troop isn't it no it's <laughs> no it just start with a g for you, enough. <laughs> you think real hard when we were in missouri i popped this on in the playstation classic i'm like mike wants to play this next year and uh, i played about yeah. a minute and a half of it went fuck and immediately went into the planner and went i'm overruling this yep i recall that conversation yeah, yeah i would <laughs> i don't want to spend 12 hours in that game because it'll probably be 25 hours due to frustration yeah, exactly <laughs> so rounding out the rest just, of our oh go ahead just play hot shots golf for the rest of the year fuck yeah <laughs> i love that i popped open the vita version of that game again love it and the ps2 yeah. version uh what is it something open t2 or something dude they're yep. so good they are so much fun such wonderful portable you, games you can't talk about it for more than 20 minutes but god no 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 so com- coming up next show november 3rd yeah november 3rd super mario galaxy whoop, whoop. followed by I, square I simulator going to um duel of fates is it duel of fates from stars yeah, exactly. <laughs> dude super mario galaxy and this is my very divisive opinion but super mario galaxy might actually be my favorite mario um even beating out odyssey I and Super Mario Galaxy 2 even more. I would I, I would agree. Yeah. Uh, those see. games are amazing. Yeah, they really are. So then we've got I kind of wish they would just release those together on Switch as like a one all in one. Oh, game. I'd pay. You could play them back to back. I'd pay for that. We've got after that we've got Square Simulator, Arkham Asylum, uh Metroid Prime, and then not Resident Evil, not Resident Evil 4. <laughs> Have you gotten your chainsaw controller yet? No, I couldn't find it. So, God damn it, Eric. Don't make me go buy you one because I'm going to hold you to playing through that whole game with one. <laughs> well, okay. It's so, it's going to happen. I've been trying to decide <laughs> what version of that I want to play. And I got to. Actually, no, I have a Wii copy. I popped it in just to see. Like, you know what? I want to have plenty of time to plan out what I want to play this on. And everyone's like, the Wii controls are great. And I popped in and went, no, they're not. So went out and I was going to buy a I was going to buy a GameCube version of it for 15 bucks and then saw that it was on PlayStation 4 for $8 on sale. 20 minutes and after then, I buy it, Mike goes, hey, Eric, have you bought Resident Evil 4 on PS4 yet? Yeah. And he goes, oh, it's on Game Pass right now. <laughs> God damn yeah. it. Honestly, Sorry, if I'd realized beforehand, I would have told you. I was, I was browsing Game Pass and I, I saw know. it on there. I was like, I'm sure Eric said he's just bought that. I know. <laughs> so I will tell you, if you play it on GameCube game, it is a better looking game. It is, but it doesn't have the Project Ada on it. No, it does not. But it is a better looking, better playing game on GameCube. Hmm. And that is me absolutely hating the GameCube controllers and still saying that. <laughs> the Wii version was just finicky because it had the Wii motion. It, it, it has all the hangups of using a Wii controller with it. So you're going to run out of batteries 30 times at the wrong time. Got to set up the sensor bar and all that shit. But the GameCube version is the best version. And I just happen to know that there's a chainsaw controller version for that version, which you will be playing for that show if it kills me. You know how much those controllers are? <laughs> Yeah, and I'm still willing to buy one just to make you play it. $200. <laughs> I remember when I was 
working at GameStop, we had a stock of those for like 60 bucks. Yep. Just sitting there doing dick all. <laughs> yeah, because nobody bought one. I think they all went into a great big bin somewhere, but yeah, I got to find you one because that will add another level of misery that I am prepared to pay for. I'll do it. <laughs> I'll do it. I'm not buying that damn controller for that much. Um, you made me play Mario on a joystick. I'm making you play that on a chainsaw controller. Yeah. So let's do some listener <laughs> questions here. We have a couple. Oh, yeah. We have a couple emails. If you want to send us an email, factorysealed at manatank.com or podcast at factory-sealed.com. First one comes from James Hall. He writes, Gay guys. I'm in the middle of my listen through the entire show and I heard a question asked before the current hosts were on that I thought they might have an interesting answer to. What games did you play that seemed innocent enough at first or through your first playthrough that you eventually realized were much darker? Animal Crossing. (laughs) Because that is a terrifying representation of life. Yeah, you will forever be in debt. There's a I, I won't go into it, but there is a whole Reddit thread about why that's horrifying. Uh, you absolutely owe it to yourself to go read it. Animal Crossing is terrifying. Hmm. Uh, I would say something like Pokemon because it starts off as a little adventure, and you, and you don't even think about it. You're like, oh, I'm catching these animals, and then you start thinking about it. I'm fucking catching animals, imprisoning them in balls, and then forcing them to fight. Yeah, it's cockfight the game. <laughs> And then as the game progresses, obviously you find out more about Team Rocket, who then also use them for, um, you know, evil deeds and things like that. And then as you progress and get like the mansion to the mansion and find out all, about all the experimentation they they did to create Mewtwo. Eh, game's fucking dark, man. <laughs> I can't really think of any off the top of my head. I'd have to put some thought into that one. Or, th- or not necessarily the further you get through it, but if you read the instruction manual of the original Super Mario Brothers, that shit's dark because uh, it says in there that Bowser has turned all of its residents into blocks. And what are you destroying as you go through that oh, game? Jesus. Motherfucking blocks. <laughs> Metal Gear Solid Five is incredibly dark. It's got a rape scene in it, for Christ's sakes. Oh, man. That game. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We won't give any more context to that. <laughs> that game. <laughs> it's been a topic of conversation. Sorry, Zach. <laughs> it's been a topic of conversation in our WhatsApp chat because uh, Mike took a statement out of context. I did not. <sighs> you're just being, you're just being a turd. We can't open that can of worms, Eric. No, I'm sorry. we can't. Not Maybe at a later date. So he continues. <laughs> time. James continues. I also have a game <laughs> suggestion for you guys. I. I was originally going to recommend an N64 game called Sin and Punishment. It was created by Treasure later in the N64's life. It never left Japan. However, the game is entirely in English. It was released on the Wii and Wii U Virtual Console as an import, and that's how I played it. The story and uh, dialogue is atrocious, but the gameplay is spot on. It's one of the few games I've played through multiple times. Funny, like another game we were just talking about, Eric. What? Gameplay being spot on while the rest of (laughs) this... Leave it at that. And go back to this day every now and then. I wouldn't expect you guys to play that one through as the game is harder to come by now since the Virtual Console shut down. Instead, may I suggest its sequel on the Wii. I believe it's pretty much easy to come by and had a worldwide release. It's not as good or corny as original, but I still enjoy it. I'd love to get you guys' opinion on it. Don't be afraid to rip it a new one if you don't play. If you do play it, keep up the amazing work. Look forward to more shows. 
He didn't give us the name um, of the sequel. Well, the Wii U, the Wii U Virtual Console is still up. Yeah, but who yeah. buys? He said it's on like Wii and Wii U. Yeah, I've literally bought one thing on it. That's <laughs> which is yeah. Super Mario Galaxy Two when it first came out. No, on Wii U. Mm. Interesting. But yeah, I'm always open for game suggestions. We'll have a look at some point. Uh, Depending on how long it is as well. <laughs> let's see. We have one more email. Dalton Sutor says, Sutor. Hey, fellas, listening to episode 107, and Eric was talking about the No Man's Sky launch and how it wasn't good. I thought it would spark a good discussion about how far that game is coming has become the fantastic experience people were looking for, but also how situations like that kind of show how a company pushing developers to release a game that they don't quite have ready yet has become more common these days with day one patches and such. Do you think this trend will continue? And do you think it is companies greed that causes this? Yeah, well, I'm going to say uh, WWE 2K20. Holy shit. Look up those glitches. They are hilarious. Yeah. Like that is a prime example of clearly they've got a contract with WWE and WWE want a yearly game and they've just clearly fucked that up. I have not laughed that hard in a long time when I saw that first character creator where this lady's eye is just hanging down past her chin. <laughs> she has sunglasses on and somebody just put a caption of do these, do these sunglasses hide my lazy eye? <laughs> But yeah, it's right up there with like Assassin's Creed Unity, right? Where like half the time you'd interact with a character like without a patch in that game, like it's just eyes and teeth. Oh, God. <laughs> but yeah, like Eric says, do yourself a favor. Check out all the uh, the fucking mess that is WWE 2K20. Oh, Jesus Christ. There's there's like some footage I've seen of like one of the wrestlers is just like in the ring, just spinning round and round and round the referee. <laughs> <laughs> or the referees crawling through people just fucking crazy <laughs> stuff jesus christ yeah so apparently so what it is because ukes were the developer of that for a while alongside visual concepts and ukes now aren't part of it so visual concepts have done it all by themselves but apparently they're using ukes's engine which they don't really understand so oh, they just fucked up the entire thing <laughs> good excellent wonderful plan guys yeah <laughs> Also, you should paint with turd more often. <laughs> I think to, um, I think to answer Dalton's um, question, though, I think this is I don't want to say it's going to become the standard, but I think it's going to become more prevalent, especially since we as an industry have sort of just accepted that when you pop a game in, there's going to be a day one patch. Installing Modern Warfare took well over two hours. Not only did you have to Holy install shit. the game, then you had to download a 60 gig patch and then install that patch. Yeah, yeah but was, the, was your 60 gig patch to make it pro enhanced? Don't forget about that. I don't. I mean, maybe, but I think everybody yeah. that had PlayStation 4 version got a 60 gig patch. Ah, uh, okay. Mm. So, yeah. Well, the interesting I mean, thing is that some of the details that came out about the PS5 is that this isn't patches. Admittedly, this is just installation, but apparently every single game will have some sort of installation. Which I'm fine with as long as they give me the ability to put an 8 terabyte hard drive in there. (laughs) Because Call of Duty, 175 gigs if you were to download it. Yep. And then the patch as well. (laughs) That's damn near half your hard drive. There's a joke in the game. Have you come across that yet? Mm -hmm. About there being um, in one of the London flats, there's an Activision console. It's called like the ActiBox. Yep. And it's an 80 gig console. And the joke is like, oh, yeah, your fucking game wouldn't even fit on that. No. And it's so ridiculous <laughs> That's that, funny. you know, install sizes have come. I mean, I get it. We're getting 4K graphics and all that. But yeah. 
Yeah, it's become a little monstrous, which is I get why people I get the appeal of game streaming in that environment. So I think No Man's Sky was kind of an outlier in this phenomenon because I don't remember the developer's name, but I think he was a victim of his own success where he had this really novel concept and he sort of took the Peter Molyneux approach and I get it. He was trying to upsell his game and he had this vision of what he wanted and then people picked up on it and he started getting all of this attention. I just don't think he was ready for and he was excited about it and he really wanted to sell his game so he kept talking and saying this is what this is going to be and we're going to do this we're going to do that and not realizing like okay fuck we really can't do that. But I think with larger companies, yeah, they're they're under a very strict publishing deadline. Hey, we want you to have this game out for this holiday season because if you miss that window, we have to push it another year and we'll be damned if we're going to support you guys for another year to do that. So push this shit out, broken or not. Yeah. And it's frustrating. Well, and I think I think he said, was it? It's not Sean Layden, is it? What the hell is that guy's name? I, I, I don't know. Sean Layden. Um, I think he needs like... <laughs> and he probably has learned this lesson. He needs like a Gantt chart of what's actually going in my game yeah. versus what would be cool <laughs> to go in game and then never talk about what's in the middle. Yeah. <laughs> Sean Murray. I think that was he, his name. Sean Murray. Sean Murray. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you notice that a lot of publishers go dark. Um, and by that, I mean, they just don't communicate about what's in the game. They may show a trailer. They may show something else, but then they really let people's imagination run wild. And maybe that's the right move. Maybe it's not. Here's what's not the right move to talk about what could be cool in your video game and present it as factual. It's like they went you know, to the writer's table. To conclusions like, anyway. Let's just give them all the notes from our writer's table. It's like, no, that's not the right <laughs> yeah, thing to don't do. Don't do that. <laughs> the, the thing is that you people will still it, jump they, to conclusions anyway. Look at fucking Puddlegate with Spider-Man. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but that's on people. Yeah. You know, that's that's the thing. And you get to say that as a developer, like some of these things that you said are is shit you just made up and that's OK. You know, and if a publication makes some shit up, that's just par for the course. When you say it, when it comes out of your mouth, like there's going to be multiplayer and you're going to be able to see your friends and there's going to be this and that. And it doesn't materialize in your game. Like, yeah, that's on you. Yeah. You know, um, who's and I I'm going to say it like this. I think No Man's Sky is one thousand percent better right now than it was when it launched. Oh, that game is phenomenal. I, still, now. I, I don't know if I'd call it a phenomenal game. I'd call it a phenomenal experience with VR because it's not. Yes. With VR, it's a phenomenal experience, yeah. but it's still not a game that I like actively pursue. No phenomenal games are ones that I pick up sure. all the time. It's fine for what it does. It's great. It's it's amazing. Yeah. You know, who's really it, good it at, at maintaining the hype around their game, though, um, at least with the Elder Scrolls series is Todd Howard and the team at Bethesda. They don't sit. Yeah. They could really just don't mention Fallout 76. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they could really start spewing about here's all the shit that's going to be in here. But they don't. And it's great. I, I don't, What was the one we were all watching together? It was I don't think it was Gamescom, but it was one of those. But it was just uh, the Bethesda team getting out of in front of people saying, hey, guys, remember, we're people, too. We make mistakes. And he was taking the treat us like people. He's taking the <laughs> yeah, piss like, out of himself. Yeah, like you absolutely needed to do that because you made a lot of promises with games that you couldn't live up to. But you know what? He won't do it again. No. It's not like Peter Molyneux who's going to go out and spend the same shit lie about the next 40 games um, because that's just his style. And you as a consumer have to get used to that and be able to just 
reconcile between what did Peter Molyneux say versus what am I going to get? It's probably going to be 30%. Hashtag you were promised. If you, (laughs) if you fall for it more than twice, it's on you. Yeah. The thing is, uh, the thing is with patches and stuff like that, like the problem is patch has become like a dirty word. Patches aren't always necessarily a bad thing. No Man's Sky is is a perfect example of that. And you know, You can look at it in the negative light of, okay, people are sending out, people are releasing broken games and then relying on the patch afterwards. Okay, yeah, that's a pretty shitty practice in some ways. But, people, again, they are people. They're not perfect. If a game comes out and then there is just an error that, you know, just might have been overlooked by accident, you know, the fact that we live yeah. in an age where that can now be fixed, like, you you should be grateful for as well, I think. Yeah, I was going to say, I yeah. think I'd rather live in this era than what we grew up with because if a game came out broken, well, that's just how it is forever. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Baldur's Gate 2, Dark Alliance. Yeah. yeah. I always <laughs> oh, use Skyward way. Sword as an example. You know, they, they found mm-hmm. out that there was that glitch where you couldn't, you know, if you, a, a NPC wouldn't do the right dialogue if you did something in a certain order for you to progress in the game. They just released released a small download. You know, that the game would have been broken forever. Well, I talked to I me. Mean, it's not a great, it's not a great game anyway, but. <laughs> yeah, I talked about this with the GBA version of Baldur's Gate Dark Alliance. That's absolutely something that would have been patched, but. I'm yeah. stuck with it and I have but to next time I play it I have to be very conscientious of who I talk to in a very specific order. What what's this glitch then? Uh the short version. Yeah, the short version is you get to a point in the game where you have to clear an area of enemies before you talk to anyone and there's some enemies hidden in some really uh remote spots that if you don't kill them before you talk to the next person it locks mm. off the the next portion of the quest. You just physically can't complete it. Even no, if you go back and uh, kill that boss or kill that enemy and go back to talk, it just will not finish. The, and it's like four hours into the game. Eesh. And I, yeah. I hit it. So, And I even knew and about it getting to it. They're like, make sure you kill everyone before you talk to the next person. And I thought for sure I had, but I didn't. <laughs> so, womp womp. Well, yeah. I mean, that's, that's not uncommon. Donkey Kong Country 3 could, you know, you could break the cart. Um, Turok 2 had to be replaced at retail because when Rage Wars came out you know like that was a thing that there were game breaking bugs in it so I agree being in the world of patches is glorious it just comes with a caveat that sometimes you're going to get not everything you expect up front but you know delving down that rabbit hole and I know Mike you've talked about this to some extent is that what do we do 15 years from now when you buy a used copy of this game and the servers supporting that patch are offline Or when a day one patch actually isn't a patch, it's the rest of the fucking game. (laughs) Was it Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 5 where the patch was bigger than the actual game itself? (laughs) And that game was still a pile of hot shit. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Mike, do we have any Facebook questions? Uh, We do. Got several. Uh, Uh, Monty Glover, I'm not going to read yours out because it was aimed towards Dan and he's not here. So if you want to ask him that again next time he's on, uh, be my guest. Um, Dalton Suter, this is a bit of a loaded question, so I don't know if you want to tackle this now. Top three or five RPG series of all time, in each of your opinions. Um, and then also in regards to Luigi's Mansion, he put, uh, is this worth going back to? I don't be able to emulate it, but with the third coming out, should I play the first two before three, or do the stories follow for any order? I'll answer that bit first while you guys think about your RPGs, because I'm not the RPG guy. Um, after playing one and two, the stories don't necessarily follow from each other. You, 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 it's typical Mario stuff where you can kind of jump into anyone. Um, but these are great. These are fun games. So I'd, I'd say jump in anyway. And we don't know what Luigi's Mansion 3 is going to be like yet, but I'd definitely recommend it. 
to answer Fair his enough. question for the RPGs, I'm going to put Final Fantasy at the top. I would probably slide in The Legend of Heroes and then Dragon Quest. Mm. I'm going to go Fantasy Star, Final Fantasy, and Ease. Yeah, I knew Ease was going to be on your list. And I've only really played Final Fantasy games, so I won't answer that question. <laughs> uh, to do a favor, um, would your rating of this game change if the C-stick controls weren't inverted? I can't stand it, but I still love yes. the game. Yes. Yes, uh-huh. that is how horrible that control is. 100%, yeah. I'd, yep. I'd, I'd, I would. Uh, James Hall, anyone playing on the 3DS, do you know... Um, do all of you know any of the differences between the two? I did have a quick look at this because I saw your question. Um, main things is um, there's like an achievement system in there. Like you can get this trophy inside the gallery um, by doing all the different tasks around like things like making sure you burn a door and, and capture X amount of ghosts and things like that. Uh, there is amiibo support. Apparently the boo amiibo um, shows you the location of the boos if you lose them. Oh, nice. Um, yeah. Right. Um, obviously the controls I mentioned before. Uh the training area looks completely different, but generally in terms of the core game, it's it's pretty much the same. Hmm. Uh, and know. then some questions from our main Facebook page that I had to get a screenshot of the other day because it was incorrect. So, um, Don Suter again, he says, do you think Luigi sits or stands? What angle would his arm be for his straddle pose? I have so many questions. Oh my God. Luigi shits on his own face. He squats. In yeah, he is a squatter <laughs> through and through. Whole time going... Uh, and I've just realized the other questions aren't really questions. So yeah, there we go. Cool. Go Thank on. you very much as always. Keep an eye on it. We are at uh, facebook.com slash group slash factory sealed podcast. Uh, I think that's what it is. I always forget if it says community at the end of it or not. Nope, it's just factory sealed podcast. If you just go into the communities and search for factory yeah, podcast, you'll find us. One other little housekeeping way. issue. Uh, again, I think we're going to wait to crown our straddling winner till next show when everybody else is back on. I know we said we were going to do it this show, but I'd rather have as many entries as we can and as many people on here to help judge as possible. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and you need, everyone needs to up their game because we had an amazing entry today. We've had our first <laughs> video <laughs> entry. Yeah. Ooh, <laughs> and it's a doozy. It definitely is. We, oh, we've entered a new realm. And it's, it's quite impressive. It's a new era. I would consider that, um, you, you always ask for like video resumes to appear on the show. Yeah. I, I would quantify that as an audition. <laughs> that is a piece of art. I was saying this before, but I half expected the camera to turn and there to be a bunch of students to the side, which would have just instantly pushed it over the top. Ooh, man, I, I had goosebumps. It was good. You'll need to pop on and see on our straddling post. It's brilliant. We'll talk about it more next week. We won't ruin the surprise yet. (laughs) I don't know how anybody can literally top that, though. (laughs) We'll see. Hey, there's lots of national monuments out there, damn it. Somebody give it the old Pepsi try. (laughs) (laughs) The hell's the Pepsi try? Try to be good? Yeah, exactly. You remember Crystal Pepsi? They had to try one. (laughs) (laughs) They should have tried more. I, I don't know if it's different in the US, but I personally prefer Pepsi. <laughs> it's okay to be wrong. Oh, Mike, yeah. Mike, Mike, Mike. 
<laughs> I live in Atlanta where you can get arrested for saying that Coke products are inferior to the Pepsi's. This episode was made possible by all of our wonderful Patreon supporters, with an extra special thank you to Zach Foley, Santos Lopez, Sarah Irvine, Miles Prower, Taylor Favor, Thomas McGrew, Samuel Chun, Phil Gartside, Shannon McIntosh, James Hall, Richard Cutris, Chad Schaefer, Jordan Lawfrey, Stephanie, Nicholas Bradley, and Jeremy Lucas.